You are listening to an encore presentation of Mia Culpa Live, recorded on November 1st, 2022, at the El Rey Theater in Hollywood, California. Thank you. Welcome to Mia Culpa Live. I'm uh, Jimmy Jelnick. I'm the producer and writer of Mia Culpa and the chief creative officer of Audio Up. And I want to thank all of you for coming. You're incredibly brave. It's open season on Democrats right now, but uh, we have top-notch security, so... If you see a maniac with a hammer, it is just audio up. CEO Jared Gustad, he has a construction fetish, so he's probably hammering something right now. Seriously, though, we are thrilled for all of you to be here. Tonight marks episode 250 of Mayacopa. Two years and 50 million downloads later, we are one of the top political news podcasts, thanks to all of you. The show was supposed to be only 10 episodes. We started eight weeks before the 2020 election. Then America would return to normal, right? Do you guys remember normal? No. Then shit hit the fan. American democracy was nearly toppled, and Michael's voice and insight became more important than ever. Yes. Cheer. Cheer for Michael. Come on. So a few notes about tonight. Uh, First, we are recording this show for a special episode, so make sure to cheer... Yell, swear, have a great fucking time. Come on, let's shout, let's hear it for Michael. I also want to thank our friends at Midas Touch, the tireless Mizellus brothers, and finally the incredibly talented and hardworking team at Audio Up, Lisa Orkin, our editor, Paula Killam, the show's new writer, and Richard Regal, who put this whole thing together tonight. Everybody thank Richard. Say thank you, Richard. Now it's my honor to introduce Kathy Griffin, the Emmy Award comedian who has risked more for political freedom than most politicians have and has paid the price. Thank you, Kathy, for all that you do. So let's hear it now, folks. Give a loud mea culpa welcome for Kathy Griffin. First of all, let me explain my voice. I have to do this every time. I had lung cancer. I'm fine. They took out half of my left lung, but during it, they damaged my like vocal cords and stuff, so I sound kind of like Minnie Mouse. But it doesn't hurt, and I don't want you to think you're watching a sick person. That's, I don't know any other way to explain it. Oh, this is insane. Okay, so I brought cards, and I'll tell you why. First of all, hello, deep state libtards. Hello, deep state lizard people. Hello. It is me, I came from Comet Pizza, I was in the basement again, harvesting baby parts with Hillary and Tom Hanks for some reason. Tom Hanks is on that list. Hello, other people that I'm sure are on the Jeffrey Epstein flight log. Yes, hello, I'm on it as well because that is very believable that I would go to Epstein Island and molest, okay, that all makes a lot of sense. Now look, I don't know if anyone's on a little app called Twitter But we're going to talk about it right now because it's melting down in real time, which I like only because I have a loathing for Elon Musk that feels like it has to be deep and lasting, and I think it is. He's so awful. And you want to hear something? Okay, so he had an affair with a friend of mine, and when she dumped him, he was so pissed, he parked outside her house for three weeks with a diaper. He's a freak. Yes. Yes. And this girl is like, 
beyond drop dead gorgeous. So, you know, so she's like, but she's like, yeah, he's outside the diaper for three weeks calling me. Freak! And he went to Heidi Klum's Halloween last night. Sorry, that happens to my voice, sorry. And then he wore this outfit where it like put on, it was like a Batman suit, where it gave his like doughy fucked up body like fake muscles. But because it's like just painted abs, he looks like a big bug. And he just looks like a superhero like bug, but not even Ant-Man, it's a shit fest. Okay, so I just cannot stand him. Now, um, so I just wanted to read you some tweets that I got just since Elon Musk took over. Because you know he's trying to act like, you know, nothing has changed, and yet use of like the N-word is up 500%, stuff like that. So have you guys noticed a change or not, seriously? Right? It's so obvious. Okay, here we go. So one of them was, can't wait until Ad Elon Musk figures out the technology to rebuild Ad Kathy Griffin's face. What? It's a great app about sharing. Um, and then, of course, we get the MAGA folks. Kathy Griffin is still at the top of the likely to murder someone list. With her past antics, she should be checked out. So that's believable. I'm obviously a the very, like, a skilled murderer. And I do it so often that I'm probably on the top of the list. Yet another list. There's so many, they, have, they love their fucking list. Oh, you guys, is anybody following the Oath Keepers trial? Oh, it is a fucking page turner. All right, so they got this one guy. His name is Stuart Rhodes, but his real name is Elmer. Elmer! I swear to God, but that's embarrassing. So he's like, it's Stuart. No, it's not Elmer. Okay, so if you've seen him on the news, he always wears like a leather vest and he's not, you know what I mean, he shouldn't. All right, and then he, beyond, you know, I care. And so, and he wears a patch. You've seen this guy. Because he shot himself in the eye. My hand to God, wait, right hand. My hand to God, he shot himself like it ricocheted. And he shot his own fucking eye out. I love it. I can't help it. I love it. That motherfucker. And, oh, and I've become friends with his wife on Twitter. See, that's why, yes, I am. I'm deep. I'm deep with this shit. Because ever since they came for me five years ago, I'm fucking finding out their, where their fucking rat holes are and shit. All right, so I'm on a mission. And I became friends with this guy's wife on Twitter. And she said that when they were living together, his ex-wife. Now she's like, turned a corner. Okay, so, like Jason, he comes up later. All right, so anyway, this is such a good lineup, you guys, I'm so glad you're here. It's like, like a weird mix, right? I know. Okay, so she said he would dig spider holes in the yard, and that he would ever help him dig spider holes, whatever that is. And then when the deep state comes, they dig down in there with tunnels, and then they just live in a dirt tunnel. These people are fucking crazy. All right. Fuck the Democrats and fuck that dumbass bitch, Kathy Griffin. And this is, I just get these random tweets all the time from MAGA people. Hey, Pop, this is Kettle. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know that fucking Margie Three Tones? Margie Three Tones comes for me all the time. And that fucking cunt Carrie Lake, I said it. Yes! Well, Carrie Lake is a fucking dangerous piece of cunt. Capital C, all caps. And yet I'm humbled. Let me tell you why. I'm humbled. I may seem ballsy, but I'm humbled. And I'll tell you why, because I got this tweet today, is that you, Kathy Griffin, Halloween is over. 
Um, because people reach out to me. And then, <laughs> once again, I'm not saying that Twitter is worse or anything, but um, the last one I'll read to you and then I'll bring out Michael is someone just tweeted me, Satan is a fag. What does that even fuck, what is that? Where, how many groups does that please? Who is funding the Satan is a fag movement? Is it, are they in with the God hates fags people and the fucking Cokes and the Mercers? Who are these lunatics? God help us, I'm scared for the midterms. All right, fine, I'm fine. I'm breathing. All right, you guys are fucking amazing. Thanks for letting me come on and play a little bit. And it's my, I love you, I love you. My one and a half lungs love you. So I'm gonna bring out somebody that I always say that now we're friends. That's right, hell froze over. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Cohen. I just want everyone to know we won the election. <laughs> Fuck is going on? I won. Did I win? No, I guess not, all right. It's Michael Cohen here, and this is Mea Culpa Live. And thank you all for being here. So I wanna thank all my fantastic guests for being here this evening. It's great to be back in Los Angeles, especially now that I am no longer a political prisoner. Now let me say that I have had the distinction of representing both Donald Trump and Kanye West. Now, Elon Musk, if by chance you're looking for a lawyer, I'm sorry, I've been disbarred, all right? And I've been disbarred because a former president of the United States had his mushroom pecker pulled by a porn star, and I paid for it, right, with a little bit of cash and a whole lot of prison time, all right? I'm also the man who inspired the New York Attorney General, Tish James, to go after the Trump Organization, all right? In that case, is, oh, so here's a little breaking news in case anybody didn't see what happened. Jeff McConney, who is an assistant controller, knew him forever, he was a low-level kind of guy, but he was Alan Weisselberg's guy. He ended up with COVID, and he's yakking and coughing, and every time he's yakking and coughing, what happens? He turns his head towards the judge. And the judge, the judge got pissed. This is, you can't make this shit up. So what ends up happening, he goes ahead and he's coughing towards the judge. The judge turns and says, what are you doing? So he goes, are you sick? So he goes, I think I am. So he takes the jury and he puts them back in the jury pool. He tests them and COVID. So now that trial is delayed until Monday. I mean, this guy's got not nine lives. It's more like 90 lives, all right? So will Tish James get him? I think the answer is yes, all right? And I think that she's gonna wreck the Trump organization. So let's, we can all hope. You know, because there's so many things that he could go down for. Let's start here. Election fraud, right? Treason, 
randomly grabbing women by the you-know-what. The obstruction of justice charges, sabotage, real estate Ponzi schemes, and you name it. I mean, if anybody throws out, I'm sure Donald has been involved in that type of a crime. But at the end of the day, what's going to get him? I predict it's going to be tax fraud. Um, I believe it, and I call it the Al Capone theory. They couldn't get him on murder, extortion, racketeering, but they will get him on tax fraud because that's, that's the low-hanging fruit. All right? Now, God knows I've made other predictions. You may remember years ago, I turned around and I said that there will never be a peaceful transfer of power if Donald Trump wins, and I was right. On top of that, I've also called a handful of other things, including things like, you know, Mark Meadows, when I said to him at the House Oversight Committee, I know what you're doing. I know the playbook because I created the playbook. So you can't run it on me. So rest assured, if you look to see what happened to me, I know it's going to happen to you. And now you got, what, 19 different lawyers? You're right, MAGA, make attorneys, get attorneys. That's what's happening here. Now... You know, I told the world, I mean, I told the world that he would never leave office. And, you know, some folks still believe, you know, that he hasn't left. Do you ever watch any of this shit? You know, you see like David Packman, he's been a guest on Maya Culpa. And he goes out and he speaks to all of these different folks. And he says, you know, Donald's really the president, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, Donald's still the president. And they look and he goes, yeah, and how did that happen? Well, they're sending up votes to some Jewish space laser that's coming down and everything's about... And the saddest part is that these people actually believe this shit. I mean, there's really something going on in America. I don't know if it's the water or what it is, but whatever it is, it's not legit, right? I mean, we have to put an end to the stupidity. So um, those people, of course, are QAnon folks. So let's give a shout out to all our QAnon folks, right? Any QAnon folks here, right? All right, yeah, I know, I know, bad, bad, bad joke. All right, now, you know, because I knew six months before Rudy, Kaludi, Drunken Giuliani, you've heard me call him that many times. You know, I knew it before Rudy Giuliani did. I knew he was going to go down. Why? Well, a few reasons. First of all, he's fucking stupid, right? I mean, you know, desperate, stupid people do stupid things, and that's Rudy. And it's sad. This guy was once considered America's mayor, now he's just the laughing stock like the fucking penguin walking with his schlep leg, the whole bullshit. It's unbelievable sitting and listening to Donald as he goes and he starts walking around all, you know, the city and talking. It's amazing. He's still trying to get into Donald's good graces. But Donald kicked his ass to the curb and soon he's going to understand what it's like to be living under the bus like I did. All right. So rest assured, Trump is done with him. But now we have to see who's next. Christina Bob. It's going to be Eastman Cannon any of the other 25 attorneys that he did the same shit to. And then, of course, after the Mar-a-Lardo raid, I predicted that Trump hadn't turned all over the documents. You can look on my Twitter feed, August 31. I turned around and I said, I promise you, knowing Donald the way I do, the guy is hiding documents somewhere. And where's he hiding these documents? Well, it could be, you know, at his apartment at Trump Fifth Avenue. It could be at Bedminster. It could be at Brightcliffe, any of the kids' homes. What they need to do is, you remember all like, um, where's Waldo? All right. We need to track every single place that Donald went, and we have to then figure out, based on cell phones, who he spoke to, how, and why, because our democracy is really in peril right now. This guy doesn't give a shit about America. He doesn't care about the Constitution. doesn't care about national security. And I've often said, 
going all the way back that this man will sell America's national security secrets simply to keep himself out of trouble or to make money. So we have to find out who it is that Donald met, who he saw, and then we need to get the FBI to raid them as well. But listen, you guys could read, you know, you could all read this stuff, thank you, in, um, you know, in my new book, Revenge, you know, how Donald Trump weaponized the United States Department of Justice against his critics. Because the story that you think that you know about me, you really don't. In fact, if I can, everybody always said to me, oh, did you read for the book? I did not. And I'm going to tell you why I didn't. It's very hard. Writing this book was extremely difficult because I was reliving the torture that I was going through and watching my family with the pain um, that my wife and my children were going through. So reliving it and then having to re-edit and edit and then re-edit and then talk about it, it was really super difficult. But I want to give, I want to give you an idea in terms of where this book is and where tonight's going to go. So I'm going to actually do just a quick read onto it and I hope you'll just indulge me in it. So 24 hours after Kazami, and that's um, Robert Kazami, who took over for the head of the Southern District of New York, reached out slightly after 5.30 p.m. on August 19th, and that's a Friday, while Laura, who's my wife, and I were at home of a friend who had just gone through surgery. I got a call from Petrillo, that was my lawyer, on my cell phone, stating that he needed to see me and Laura in his office the following Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Naturally, I asked, what had transpired at the meeting, which clearly didn't last very long. And Petrillo said, we'll discuss it tomorrow. Now, can you imagine leaving someone twisting in the wind like that? How the hell could I leave it alone until the following morning? This was my life we were talking about. So I said, I have to know what's going on. That's when Petrillo dropped the hard facts on me. The Southern District of New York was demanding either I plead guilty to a series of crimes on Monday or they would be finally an 85-page indictment that would include Laura. Why? Because our financial accounts were in both of our names. What's more, they pointed out that if I didn't comply, we could both do a perp walk, known universally right, um, by reporters as the walk of shame, out of our apartment. So you talk about a reality check. What are the charges, I asked. I had no idea at this point what SDNY was looking at or what they launched uh, and intended to charge. Petrillo abruptly replied, income tax evasion, misrepresentation to a bank, and campaign finance violations. I began to shout, what tax evasion? I've never in my life not paid taxes. I've never in my life been audited. I don't owe the IRS any money, nor have I ever lied to a bank for anything. Petrillo replied, that's why we're meeting each other at 8 in the morning. I'm not discussing this now. You imagine this crap? I was dazed as if sucker punched by Mike Tyson. If I hadn't been so stunned, I should have realized then that Petrillo was not on my side and didn't have my best interest at heart. For four months, I'd asked why the federal government didn't want to speak with me. If they were investigating me, didn't they want some answers? I never once got a response to that question. You know, your natural curiosity as an investigator should have made you step forward and talk to me, especially if you were interested in pursuing a case against Donald Trump. Maybe I could help. But if you have no intention of investigating Donald Trump, then why speak to me at all? If you have me in the bag and aren't going to do anything else, it makes sense that the investigators wouldn't want to talk to me at all. And that's exactly what they did. And later, it's exactly what Lanny Davis pointed out. 
The government had no intention of going after Trump. <laughs> Getting me was all that they cared about. In any event, there was no chance I was going to let those bastards file anything against my wife. So like a man in a hostage video, I agreed to the SDNY deal. And of course, right after sentencing, Petrillo then dumped me like trash. We haven't spoken to this day. They put a metaphoric gun to my wife's head and forced me to ex execute a plea deal while my former federal prosecutor attorney told me it was the best thing for me and Laura. Petrillo never took off the prosecutorial robe, ever, and I still have questions that remain unanswered. I gave Petrillo written permission to answer them for this book, but he didn't. These are the things I want you to think about as we deal with our government on a day-to-day -day basis. These are the reasons why Donald Trump is still walking free, but I do promise you, Tish James has him. I'm telling you, it's going to the SDNY, and we're going to make this happen. So please, everybody, enjoy the show. Enjoy, enjoy the guests. We have some great guests, Kathy Griffin, we have Harry Littman, and then we have Jason Van Tattenhove. So I promise you, this is going to be mea culpa on steroids. All right, everybody, another big cheer for Michael. All right. Michael, should we bring on our first guest now? Are you ready? Absolutely. All right, so please welcome the former national spokesman of the Oath Keepers. You've been hearing about them a little bit on trial. Uh, and now uh, he's going to give you the lowdown. Let's give a warm mea culpa welcome for Jason Van Tatenhove. Does everybody know who Jason is, by the way? All right. Right? Um, yes, thank you, Jason is right. So Jason, look, you were the national media director for the Oath Keepers. What does that job entail, right? And why were the Oath Keepers seeking national attention when their mission seems both subversive as well as violent? Well, the job really was to, to put out propaganda. It really was to, um, to go out every day to look at what was happening in the news cycle, whether that's uh, Drudge Report, the, the news aggregates, find stories that really had an emotional reaction, because that's part of the formula. Part of the formula is that, that strong emotional reaction. Um, and uh, that, uh, that opens up doors where people are willing to just uh, spend money, do stupid things, um, and, and join up with, with organizations like this. Yes, but the problem that you have when you join up with stupid organizations, and believe me, I know joining stupid organizations, right? I promise you that shit. All right, at the end of the day, look at what happened. They're all going to jail on behalf of their, their leader, their Fuhrer, their monarch, their dictator, right? They're all going to jail. Did he offer to pay for anybody's legal fees? Did he do anything? Did he extend one single olive branch to anyone, including you know, Stuart, Stuart Rhodes. The answer, no. No. Why? Because Donald doesn't pay for shit. It's unbelievable. He's the cheapest guy and the stupidest guy at the same exact time. When you have somebody out there who's going to implicate you, one would think like a mob boss, what would you do? You put your arms around him and you protect him, but not Donald. So look, essentially, you're an artist and a writer. So how was it that you got involved with Stuart Rhodes and the Oath Keepers in the first place? I mean, what was your draw to it? Look, I'm nobody to sit into it, right? I mean, I ended up getting sucked in by the cult as well, right? The politics, was it the lifestyle, you know, the potential for danger? You know, a lot of people, you know, 
enjoyed the danger. For me, it was more the excitement of the, of the company. Don't forget, you know, I, we were doing a little VIP uh, meet and greet upstairs, and one of the nice young ladies asked me this question, you know, what was it that attracted you there? You have to remember, when I was at the Trump Organization, it wasn't what Donald is known for today, which is being just a fucking asshole, right? And a guy who wants to overturn the United States of America and create an autocracy. I was the co-president of Trump Productions, and so many people watched The Apprentice. And if you weren't watching The Apprentice, I was on the board. It was me, Trump, and Weisselberg. <laughs> Three geniuses, right? Two of them are going to be felons. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, at the end of the day, what you know, I was doing real estate deals. I was working on the Miss Universe pageant, on The Apprentice, and so on. Very different than what Donald has become, which is the worst version of himself imaginable. Right, just an absolute asshole. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I know for me, the, the, I initially got started um, as an independent journalist. I went and covered Bundy Ranch. I, I made some calls and I got embedded in with Stuart Rhodes as he drove down to Bundy Ranch and was a fly on the wall there. And it was, it, it was exciting. I mean, it was a historical event. I had these grand notions that I was going to write my Hunter S. Thompson styled, you know, Hell's Angel style book. Um, but I, I got sucked in. I got lost along the way. And a lot of that was that you know, it, it was exciting. I got to fly in to work on helicopters at times. I got to you know, go to all these big standoffs. And there's something to that that, that kind of draws you in. Yeah, look, I know all about the helicopters. I'm thankful that they didn't crash, you know, especially Tom, Trump has, you know, a history of not really putting money back into his equipment, which is, which is really <laughs> terrible, right? But um, I, I really do. I know what it's like to get sucked into the cult. You know, I was, um, I was there. I mean, I know, and I don't know what it is that we can all do in order to open up people's eyes so that they fully understand just how dangerous this man, his acolytes are, the fact that these people have no compunction whatsoever with taking apart our democracy. You know, one thing that I remember listening to my father and my mother always talk, our goal is to leave this world better for you than what was left to us. And we're not doing that right now. In fact, we're leaving we're leaving the world in a worse situation for our children, grandchildren, and God willing, great-grandchildren. I don't even know how we get Roe back. You know, once they take a right, it's virtually impossible to get it back. And I don't know what we can all do other than vote blue and vote blue heavy, right, in order to turn things around. Maybe we can add more Supreme Court judges and try to change things, but I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. I think it starts with talking to one another, to tell these stories, to give these insider accounts to what these people are really like. I know that when I first read your, your first book, there were so many times that I felt similar situations that happened, you know, situation dynamics that happened between you and Trump that happened between me and, and Stuart. Elmer, um, where there, there, there are just a lot of character traits that seem to be shared, and uh, a lot of the experiences you were talking about up there, you were talking about your kids and, and their thoughts on Trump. Um, my daughters have so many stories about Stuart, because he lived in our basement for months, and uh, they, they, they got 
to see it in all its glory. <laughs> I love your leader living in the basement. At least mine lived in a 33,000 square foot triplex worth 282 billion, right? <laughs> right. Look, but you know, one of the bigger problems when you talk about, right, could you imagine this asshole, 33,000 square feet, it's 11,000 square feet. It's one of the things that Tish James is bringing up in her case against him. He's the developer, he lived there, he doesn't know the size of his, of his apartment. I mean, and this guy becomes president of the United States of America, which just goes to show you anybody can run and anybody can win, right? Isn't that the saddest part? All right, I'm going to run. So look, one of, the big, one of the biggest problems that we have is what you just brought up, which is the fact that we don't talk to each other. Now, I'm assuming that you've also been threatened for coming out with your story and exposing the Oath Keepers. Has it all been worth it? Right? Has your life changed since you testified before the January 6th committee? It has. It, it, it started changing back in September last year when I first, because I was doing a lot of work behind the scenes, working with journalists, kind of connecting the dots on stories, but I always did it anonymously. And last September, I allowed a, a reporter with the, the Washington Post to attribute uh, a piece to me, uh, a section of a piece anyway. And it just unleashed this, this avalanche that led to, you know, documentaries. And I have two film crews that come up to my place every week from all over the world. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the threats are there, yeah, every day. Look, I, but, yeah, I, I can sympathize with you, you know, as I was telling some of the folks before. I don't walk with my wife and my children. If we're going to go for dinner, I meet them there because after my public testimony, this far-right wing MAGA fanatical group, they don't care who they hurt. They don't care what they do. And this is a real danger to our democracy. You know, I've always said that the way that you overthrow a democracy, the first thing you do is you take away people's First Amendment constitutional rights, like in Russia, where they have state-sponsored media, right? We have Fox News. Then what do you do? You go after the military, paramilitary groups and so on. And that's exactly what the January 6th insurrection was all about. Trump saw these people, and I called it the second that that was going on. I went on television and I said, I promise you this man is sitting there watching the television sets as happy and elated as you could possibly imagine. And why? because they were doing it in his honor. They're wearing his red hats. They're carrying his Trump, you know, MAGA banners, right? Like our mea culpa banner over there, right? The only difference is we're trying to stand up for democracy and he's trying to destroy it. You know? So, you, so look, Jason, you and I have both gotten out from under a cult, you know, or a cult-like it, thing. It really is like a cult. Yeah. What finally changed your minds about Rhodes and the mission? I mean, if you will, you know, of the Oath Keepers. Right? How were you finally deprogrammed? And in essence, what got you out? Well, it, it was a combination of things. And, and during the process of writing my book, um, it, you know, you, you spend so much time, you just want to forget about everything and just stick your head in the sand. And writing the book can be difficult. You know, you got to relive these things. You just wanted to forget and walk away from I wrote my first one in prison. Yeah. So, you know, so the, the, the death of Lavoie Finicum um, during the Malheur Refuge standoff, I went to his funeral and I saw his daughters. I have three daughters. And, you know, a lot of why I'm standing up and, and saying the things I am and, and talking about the things I am is because, you know, not only is it, do I have to show them that as a human being you can fuck up, but you can also 
do your part to make it right. And what you're saying about leaving the world as a better place, like, that's serious. Like, the, the world that my daughters are inheriting, your kids are inheriting, it, it, it's a shit show compared to what we had. And it's getting worse. So it's up to us. No one's coming to help us. We've got to help ourselves figure this out. Um, the other aspect, not just the, the going to the funeral and seeing his daughters just emotionally destroyed and seeing my daughters in their place really affected me. But they were taking a much harder right turn. They were more and more courting the alt-right and straight-up white nationalists and, and, and that whole demographic. And um, I just was not okay with that. And I walked into a, a, a grocery store up in, it was up in Eureka, Montana, where we all lived. And uh, there was, a, it's just a small little grocery store. You got to literally drive an hour and a half to get to a stoplight at this place. Um, and uh, there, there, people gathered there at the end of the day. And there was a group of people that were some core members um, that had been around since, you know, my day one at the uh, Oath Keepers at the, the, the Bundy Ranch standoff. And they were talking about how the Holocaust wasn't real and that it hadn't happened. And uh, I just, my, my jaw dropped. I just couldn't believe that they were, those words were coming out of their mouths and in a public place of them. And that for me was just a straw. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. I couldn't do it. If you would tell my audience, what is it about the Holocaust and the denials that, that got you? Like, I could understand me, the son of a Holocaust survivor. All you have to do is look on uh, Schindler's List and you'll see one of my great uncles who was a Schindler survivor. You know, I could understand me. Explain to my audience what it is about that denial that really got you. So I, I have family that are, my cousin's actually in the audience here. Um, they're Jewish. And we grew up, uh, we've known each other since we were four, grew up doing blended holidays. Christmas, we would, you know, do our Christmas traditions and we'd, we'd do uh, their Christmas traditions. And it just, it was part of the family. You know, I have an aunt who's Jewish. I've got a cousin who's Jewish, cousins who are Jewish. And, and uh, you know, so it just, I couldn't do it. You know, I got to tell you, with all those tattoos, you're going to have a hard time getting into a Jewish cemetery. They're going to do a lot of work on you. They're going to take your fingers, your head. They're going to take it all. You know, they're going to bury your toes. No, no, no. Tattoos on the toes, right? Uh, top of the feet. No, the top, top of the feet. They're going to take that, too. <laughs> now, look, uh, yeah, I, I, I get it. I, I really do. The Holocaust denials are just terrible. It's the easiest way for them to turn around and to, you know, start this nonsense, which they're doing. Uh, you know, they ultimately... Look at the rise of anti-Semitism that we're seeing today. This is how they do it. You start with yesterday and then you work it to today. It's good for you, good for you in getting out. Me, I got kicked in the ass very, very hard. And I got out only because I ended up going to prison. You know, I, I spent the day, if you don't mind me interjecting real quick, I spent the day before my testimony in Congress. With, I ain't fighting with you. <laughs> um, and I, I went with my cousin and we went to the National Holocaust Museum and went and toured it. And I gotta tell you, I, I saw some of the same looks, some of, you know, the looks in the eyes, that kind of sarcastic smile of the, the SS troops that, you know, and the Hitler youth that, that were rounding up the Jews. I've, I've seen those faces before. I've seen those smirks before. And they were at these standoffs and at these rallies. And, you know, it starts off as just joking around and, you know, gets, it, it just snowballs, snowballs. 
And it really was an eye-opening experience. And I think right now we've, we've kind of forgotten about fascism and, and, and national socialism and, and just authoritarianism. And because we've had it pretty good, we've had a pretty good run, but it hasn't gone away. And we need to remember that. I mean, I, I, that was the first time I'd ever gone to the Holocaust Museum, and it was profoundly affecting to me, especially the day before my testimony. Listen, at the end of the day, good for you. The legacy you're leaving for your children, right, is important. And they'll know that their father was on the right side of history. All right, you could rest assured on that one. So, Jason, let me ask you this then. Now that Rhodes and members of um, both the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys are behind bars, what do you think the future of those organizations, what do you think it'll be? And, I mean, we know, for instance, that there are Proud Boys in Miami that have been elected to office. So at least some of them have, we'll say, gone legit, right? What was the plan all along? The plan was to, to court politicians to court law enforcement, you know, that monopoly of power and violence and insert themselves into it. So, you know, there, there have been politicians that, that have been working hand in hand with the Oath Keepers, you know, since, since my first days working with them, which was over five years ago. Um, and we're seeing that more and more. We're seeing that in the, the election that's happening for the state secretary race in, in Arizona. Um, you know, it's happening across the country and it's spreading. And what I'm really concerned right now with is, is the spread of the Constitutional Sheriff and Peace Officers Associations as well, those, those constitutional sheriffs, because that's something that has been hand-in-hand hand with organizations like the Oath Keepers from day one as well. And um, that, that, to me, is a very scary prospect, and we need to be very vigilant to, to pay attention to what's going on there. Right, so with my audience, who obviously listens to Mayor Culpa, one of the things that I've talked about quite often, and I've repeated it, and, I'm, and I think it's worth repeating even now, something that Trump used to repeat in the office, this was going back before he had won the 2016 election on that rotten day, he used to say, that it doesn't matter who counts the votes. Uh, I'm sorry, it doesn't matter who you vote for. All that matters is who's counting the votes. And that's ringing true today. He's setting it up in such a way that state legislatures and all of these folks on the inside, that they will ultimately change the vote for who they want. That's not democracy. But then again, because it benefits him, he doesn't care. And the truth doesn't matter. I mean, these organizations are talking so much about how they're protecting the Constitution, how they're protecting democracy, that they're the tip of the spear. Yet they're the ones that are, are, you know, it's our guy and our guy's going to win no matter what. And if that doesn't happen, well, we're going to raid the Capitol. We're going to dismantle democracy. We're going to change the rules so that our guy always wins. And that's dangerous not only here, but we set a precedent around the world, I think. And we're seeing the flame that, that was lit by, by Trump and, and these others that's now spreading like wildfire. Yeah, and you know another adage which rings true, and I talk about it again on Mea Culpa all the time, if you have a strong America, you have a strong world. When you have a weak America, you have a weak world. And that's why we're seeing the likes of Putin doing what he's doing. We're seeing what's going on all over the world. Um, it's because America is weak right now. And it's weak because we had four years of one of the worst, if not the worst president in the history of America. So let me ask you then this question. 
What's a typical Oath Keeper's version of a perfect world, right? What does that look like? Because they sure don't seem happy with what we've got now. Yeah, I, I, I think it very much falls in line. Unfortunately, I, I hate to say it, it looks very much like uh, Handmaid's Tale um, and, and the way that has been fictionalized. Um, I think it's, it's very good if you're straight, white, rich, and male. But the rest of the, the, rest of the population, it's not so good for. Um, I, I think we're looking at a Christian nationalist state um, that is, we're, we're, we're going back in time 60 years um, in that. And, and that's just with like the, the more moderate of the extremists. You know, if you get into the sovereign citizen side of things, well then that is just a complete breakdown of, of society. Yeah, it's, look, well said. This, I, I, I really don't even have anything to add to that. This Southern White Christian Coalition, their belief system, has to be then shoved down the throats of people who don't agree with that aspect and they're willing to do whatever it's gonna take in order to do what, to get their way. So you know what, I wanna open, open up the floor here to the audience. Sure. I'm sure that they have some questions for you. Anybody here have some questions for Jason? Thank you. I'd like your reaction to the attack on Pelosi's husband and the disinformation that's been coming out and the disinformation that comes out so fast, it cannot be undone. So, thank you. I, I think we've gotten to a point where the truth doesn't matter. Um, and and that, that has to do with the media, that has to do with social media and these algorithms that we're in. But just, we've kind of reached a threshold, I think, as, as a culture where we're so divided and encamped that whatever happens on the other side is okay. You know, if this had happened to someone on the right, you know, they'd be screaming bloody murder. But now they're, they're throwing all these conspiracy theories up and it's a disinformation campaign. I mean, this is out of the propaganda playbook that they play by. And they do use propaganda to great effect. They use these social media algorithms to great effect. They've figured it out. And, um, you know, I, I think it's just, it's testament to just how far we've, we've gone, how much, how much territory we've lost as to what America used to be. Um, and uh, it, I think, unfortunately, moving forward, it's, it's very indicative that this is, this is where we're moving, that it's just going to be a very violent, political violence is going to be a reality that we're going to have to deal with for a while until we figure that out. And this is not on the Democrats. This is on the GOP, plain and simple. I certainly remember, as all of you do, all right, when Steve Scalise was shot. And I remember all the Democrats coming together with the Republicans and denouncing and hoping that Steve Scalise gets better and that he comes back to work. And you may also remember when he got the standing ovation when he entered the People's House. That's the Democratic way. Do you know the GOP way? You know what the GOP way is? Don fucking Trump Jr., all right? Putting out a goddamn tweet about a pair of underwear with a, with a hammer, thinking that that's funny. You know why? Because this sad sack piece of shit thinks that he's now gonna get some attention from daddy, right? That's the problem, and it's not just Don Jr. It's all of these sycophantic assholes that think that Donald is gonna rise up and start to notice them he doesn't care about them at all. He wouldn't walk across the street to piss on them if they were on fire because he's too busy. But they don't give a shit. All they care about is 
clicks or how many likes that they got on Twitter or Truth Social, which will be out of business any week now. So, you know, it's, great. it's a great question, and it's sad. Hi, uh, Jason. Jason Stewart here. Um, I'm, you know, I sit and I watch all these shows all the time, and I see people that were with your organization. I'm a gay Jewish uh, artist myself, and uh, it, and I, I see you guys. You seem like great guys. There's a certain uh, compassion in your voice now. You're you're tattooed. You're nail polished. You're wearing my mother's sweater. Um, <laughs> you know. Michael's taken off the suit and he's got the cool guy. He looks like he was in a band when he was a kid. Yeah. Donald Trump you in look, prison. No. You guys look like guys that live in my apartment complex whose wives are upset that you're not working. Um, so. I, I, well, that's I, like, what does every Jewish wife do with her asshole every morning? I don't know. I'm Send him to work. <laughs> I'm gay, I don't have to worry about that shit. Um, no, and I, I'm just a dumb actor, comedian, and, I'm, and, I, and I watch these things, and I look at somebody like you, and I think to myself, you know, you say how it used to be. For a gay guy like me, it wasn't great, but it's, you know, it wasn't great being. My father also was a Holocaust survivor, and uh, my mother's a beautician. And, um, and I just... Uh, I think that uh, what, what possessed you to become a part of a group like this, what pushed this white, heterosexual Christian guy, I'm assuming you're a Christian. Uh, first off, I am white. Yeah. I'm queer. Oh, oh. And I'm not Christian. Oh, okay. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. And they let you in? Well, here's the thing. There, so this is something that's not all that well known. There are... There, there, so the, there was a, a committed gay couple, married, who ran the back-end merchant the, services for the Oath Keepers. No. One of the gals, yes. Don't tell us this. One of the gals <laughs> who raided the Capitol is a trans woman. It's true. Okay, so we have a couple bad but, apples. But, <laughs> so we're not allowed to we weren't allowed to talk about that i i wasn't open at the time i would think i am open now uh. but you know stuart knew that i was queer um and we had discussions about how uh he would love to and i think part of it was he was just telling me what i wanted to hear um but what made you do it what made, well i have you... a healthy distrust of the government i think there's a good there's a good basis to that mm-hmm. i think history shows us that and there's been a radicalization that happened. And understand, I started as an independent journalist doing talk radio and going and covering Bundy Ranch, and then I went and covered the Sugar Pine Mine incident, and then I also White Hope. And so I helped them put together a press release because they had asked me, because they had a PIO that didn't know what they were doing. And I've, I've been in media. I've been a, a, a legitimate journalist. And... Um, I told them not to ever use my name on it, but I was getting inside access. I was getting just crazy access to everything that was going on. And I had these notions of writing a book. But I did. I was listening to a lot of conspiracy theory. Um, and I wasn't in a good place in my life. Mm-hmm. And that's, they kind of really focus in on that, that disenfranchised 
community that where people's lives aren't going as they had planned. That's the ripe fruit. That's who they're going after um, because they give them this sense of community and this sense of doing something important for the history of the country. And that's something we've, got to, we've really got to look at. We've really got to look at how they're going after these disenfranchised members of the community um, and using them as pawns um, to further their own agendas. And, and we've got to get out talk more about the techniques they're using to recruit people and, and kind of pull them into that, that craziness. And it, it, from the outside, it's really easy to look in and say, well, how the fuck did you ever get involved with that? But it's a gradual process. And by the end of it, I was, you know, during the Malia Refuge, I was definitely drinking the Kool-Aid. I had lost my notion of writing the book and I was changing the way I dressed. I was changing the way I talked. And, you know, luckily enough, I had these series of events that shook me awake. I didn't recognize myself in the mirror anymore. And I was able to get away from it and just say, look, we got to go. We can't do this. And I think we've got to really look at off-ramps for people. We've got to look at ways to bring people back away from the edge. Because there's half the country right now that are courting this. They're looking at it. You know, and they're being influenced by it. And we've got to find ways to, to talk about this. Mentorship. And, yeah, something. Yes. I think we have time so. for two more questions. So uh, let's, uh, who, who's got another question? All the way in the back there. Fantastic. Hi, Michael. I like the look. Oh, thank you very much. My wife dressed me. Oh, she's got good taste. Um, Jason, I wanted to ask you, unlike Michael, do you think Donald's going to run again? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know why Congress wanted me to come up and talk. I mean, I'm a guy with a mohawk and tattoos on my face. Um, you know, I... Because I think, you tell an important story. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think that Michael knows better than I do. I think that he might just because, you know, it gives him more options. But I'm not some sort of political wizard. I don't know the, the inner workings. All right, we've got time for one more question. Here we go. Oh, back there. All right. Um, I'm reminded of the uh, problems in the 30s with Lindbergh and uh, Ford uh, that, uh, you know, Henry, that man, uh, and uh, the march on Washington with the Ku Klux Klan. And uh, for the vote to go to war with Nazi Germany, it took a while for the United States to step in. And I suspect they were not, a lot of the United States was not in favor of fighting Nazi Germany. They went in isolationism. So the the memory of that is coming back to haunt us, maybe on steroids. And I wonder what your thoughts in that regard are. Well, again, I'm not a historian, but I think that we've seen these, these patterns happen Historically, I think that I, I, I think I touched on it earlier that we've kind of forgotten about authoritarianism. We've kind of forgotten about fascism. We've kind of forgotten about you know these, these kind of hard right political movements. Um, and they, it's not like they went away. They've been here the whole time. They've just had their head down, and the rest of us kind of just thought, well, everything's good. Like, we're, we're making progress on rights, you know, we're going through growing pains. But they were just waiting for the right time, I think. I don't know. It's just, I think it's a very, very dangerous time. And I think we're seeing it spread all across the globe. And like Michael said, 
you know, what happens in America has an effect just in, in influence around the world, and it emboldens everybody. And uh, so I, I think we're going to see this happening more and more, this kind of rise of the hard right globally. Thank you, everybody. Jason Van Tatenhove, let's give a big round of applause. Stay tuned for part two of Mia Copa Live. All right, everybody, let's give a big Mia Copa welcome to our next guest. He's the former Deputy Attorney General of the United States during the Clinton administration, former prosecutor. Today, he is the host of the wildly successful Talking Feds podcast. So let's put your hands together for Harry Littman. So you know it's not every day you get to fuck with a former prosecutor. So for that, I'm going to put on my glasses because I want to look smart when I'm doing this. I'm not. If you guys have listened, Harry, to thank you for making it. By the way, I appreciate it. That oh, was, you it was bet. A touch and go. Uh, yeah. So I'm. Uh, if you've ever listened, I'm I'm the straight man here in more ways than one. So and my job is to try to make like steam come out of Michael's ears by saying that Merrick Garland is a good guy. So, that, so that's, that's my uh, role in this proceeding, I think. Did you hear me talking to Nicole Wallace the other day? When I didn't I, have to. So I turned around and I had said, <laughs> I said to Nicole, because I do know that Merrick Garland watches the show, as does Joe Biden, and I said, fire Merrick Garland now, appoint me as attorney general, and I will put his ass in handcuffs within 24 hours of taking over because, as I said in my opening, he is guilty of every single thing that he is known to have done, from the tax fraud all the way to the insurrection. And the fact that we have not done that already, you know how that gets me going. I, well, I, I think they now do too. Everyone for this proposal, Cohen is attorney general. Uh, how, how's like deputy assistant attorney general? Like, no, deputy, I got I to go for it because you, you, you be 24 hours, I want to be that guy. All so right. look, Harry, yeah. all right, everybody knows here that you have your finger on the pulse. So what's really going on, right? I mean, how is this election going to go? What are your predictions, both for the midterms as well as 2024? I mean, do we keep the House and the Senate? And what if election deniers won't accept the outcomes, and then they start to raise hell. What do we do then, Mr. Professor? You, you, want, you want the truth, I'm thinking here, huh? Definitely the truth, and nothing but the truth. Okay, um, it's, it's friggin' grim. So the, um, the, the last few weeks, you know, the, the Dems were riding pretty high and counter-history with a kind of watchwords of, Abortion, the Dobbs decision, uh, gun control, and um, uh, democracy. Democracy was on the ballot, and <laughs> and so. Let's but the last few. Democracy. Yeah. So I mean, it's not simply that the Republicans have been edging ahead, but that those um, those big topics have lost their like uh, appeal to most of the electorate. You know, you you think. Nothing's more important than democracy that's happening now, but, you know, how do you actually, um, you know, assess and balance it against, and, and here's their big uh, slogans now, um, immigration, inflation, and crime, like, you know, like, the, you, you saw the among the sort of scandalous remarks from the Republicans after uh, Paul Pelosi is attacked is, well, it's really all about San Francisco, you know, liberal cities and their crime waves, and same thing in New York. And of course, the crime's much worse in, in red cities. Anyway, I am not sanguine about the House 
And worse than that, you know, I was just talk. I just had a little thing on, on Talking Fence Day with Bart Gelman, who really has sort of sussed it out. And even if, even if you think guys like McCarthy or Jordan have like a modicum of political uh, prudence in them, if they if they get into power, the, the the hydraulics of the whole thing, McCarthy strangely enough, is basically worried about his right flank and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Jim Jordan will be on judiciary and want the action. And, you know, maybe here's one thing you can agree with them on because they're going to impeach Merrick Garland, I think, and, and possibly Alejandro Mayorkas, possibly Kamala Harris, and, and all Biden, leading to Joe Biden. They right. real, and, and, you know, uh, uh, Senator Cruz says flat out, oh, it's not justified, but it's payback for Trump. So uh, George Conway, known to almost everyone here, says the Republicans have all been captured by their party now of false equivalencies. You know, that's what you, that is the little problem here. There's nothing to impeach Biden on, and there were many things to impeach your or boss on. Or as Kelly on. and Conway used to say, alternative facts. Right? There, you, there you have it, yeah. yeah so anyway, right. I'm not, I thank you. I'm not normally asked my political views, and I, you know, I don't know how much I'd credit them of you guys, but I don't, I'm, I'm uh, unsettled about it. And then the Senate, in some ways, to me, it matters less. Everyone's focused on it, and I understand because of the need to get judges through. Um, and I'm from Pennsylvania. I listened to that debate like, a, you know, like a mom with her child on in a third grade play. It was just, it was hard, and I'm worried about its impact on, on Fetterman and, you know, Dr. Oz, Herschel Walker, why, why are these even questions? But anyway, the big thing is, if, the, if they take the House and the odds are good, they can't do any legislation. They don't want to do any legislation anyway. All they're going to do is investigate, make trouble, impeach. It might be, you know, how many times in the last seven years has it been like, well, now at least we're done with this shit. You know, January 6th, at least we're done with this shit. And it looks like, you know, the next two years could be as ugly as we've seen. And every single time we try to bring up something that Trump has done, and we're not bringing it up saying, oh, well, maybe he did this. No, we're talking about documentary evidence. We're talking about testimony. We're talking about watching it on television and hearing it ourselves. The first thing that the Republicans come back with. Well, what about Hunter Biden's computer? Right, right. I mean, That'll I be, sit there and I that, say, what right. the fuck that, is going on? That, you got now Trump potentially thinking Marjorie Taylor Greene should be his running mate? I mean, the only person who's stupider than Marjorie Taylor Greene is probably Sarah Palin. It just doesn't work for him. Yeah. Not to mention, not, yeah. not to mention... He's grifted over a quarter of a billion dollars from these unsuspecting dimwits, these maggots that, you know, forget about the and you know, 50 by the million way, fucking like, ugly hats. By the way, you got to give the guy really some a... credit. But you do have to give the guy some credit. Do you? He managed okay. to take the ugliest fucking hat ever manufactured in the history of hats and sold 50 million of them. Well, that's because he so, stole somebody else's slogan. I just realized oh, I have a question for you. No, Can hold, I, wait, okay. hold on a second. It's going to be good. Don't no, you no, want wait, me to wait, ask wait, him a question? Wait, you're inter- I'm declassifying some documents. Oh, okay. 
I felt that there. I got a little like tremor right? in the thing. It's it's real. He's, I mean, the, it's guy, real. the guy has learned I think, the Jedi. I think he kind of bent the spoon. No, there the guy bit, yeah. the guy has learned the Jedi ways. Yeah. Mm. All right. Huh? I'm scared now. My question to you: The man. There's a criminal trial going on in your Manhattan now against the Trump organization. I'm getting rid of it too. Hold on. Hmm? No trial or anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> and here's my question. So, yes. so Weisselberg, who was very loyal, wouldn't give the secrets, has now been told he's got to tell the truth or else he, his, his six-month sentence becomes, you know, 15 years. What's his testimony going to be? How damning toward the Donald? It's actually a question I was going to ask you, and I'm going to tell you why. Right? I'm going to tell you why. I don't understand this. I understand that you can criminally charge an organization, a corporation, which they have done. Yeah. Now, why Alvin Bragg let him go the first time, I have no idea. No idea? I've asked Mark Pomerantz. I've yeah. reached out to Carrie Dunn. They will not give me an answer other than the fact that he said, read my resignation papers. I'm very angry about that. I spent 100 hours with them. I've given them thousands and thousands. I know what this case is about. Yeah. Now they're bringing against the Trump organization. Well, how could you separate out the Trump organization from its eponymous owner, who is the president's CEO, and the testimony that I provided to the DA, going back to when they visited me in Otisville, the thing I said to them is nothing happens at the Trump organization without the direct and explicit knowledge and authorization by Donald J. Trump. How could they not then bring him in, indict him on it, and then hold him criminally liable? May, may I just say I'm really impressed with that impeccable use of eponymous, that Trump organization being I, Trump. I'm sorry, yeah. I meant to call him a hippopotamus. Right, exactly. Um, hey, Pomerantz and Dunn's letter has a lot in it. I, you know, look, I think Alvin Bragg lost nerve, right? It's not, I don't think it's a big mystery. You're, I, you know, I, you, he sat in that chair. He thought, well, if we lose... If you shoot at the king and you, you better, if we lose, it, it, it's on me. He had just gotten in there. He'd made a couple, um, you know, he'd stepped in a couple times. He, he got nervous. And, he's, you know, he's, he's, take, he's taken a lot of heat since. I don't think it's um, that mysterious. It would have been, unlike, I do think, you know, Mar-a-Lago in particular, so solid. That's Mar-a-Lardo. We'll, we'll be back with that. But, you know, that was a losable case, but a winnable case. Uh, but, you know, I just think he, See, that's he, the problem, he, he blinked. See, that's the problem, whether it's the DA, prosecutors, yeah. and so on. Their job is not to convict. Their job is to prosecute. And when they stop forgetting what their job is, you know that he broke the law. You prosecute. Whether you win or lose, it's not supposed to be about your conviction rate. Despite the fact that's going to get you into the seven figures with the big, you know... But the big law firms in Manhattan, it's not supposed to be about that. It's supposed to prosecute people for breaking the law. Period. End of story. And Alvin Bragg dropped the ball on that one. This, this won't go over well, but I disagree. So the, the, at least the feds, yeah, come on, the, at least the principles of federal prosecution, which one young Merrick Garland at age 29 working for the just to see State G. Ben Civiletti wrote is, you actually, as a federal prosecutor, need to conclude a couple of things. It's what you said. It's a righteous case, and he did it. 
no doubt there. And you have to conclude that a conviction is probable. If you think someone did it and you're going after them on a flyer, essentially, you know, I mean, you know what it's like to be under indictment and tormenting them when you don't think it's probable. Unethical. Uh, now, you know, they they um, are, I think, are going to readily be able to include that it's probable. But, you know, we talked, we, I know the Al Capone theory has come up here some. It mattered it, to go, be going after a guy who's guilty, totally legit, but with something that, that a charge you can make stick. Just not, just not cricket to, you know, put somebody through it if you don't think you can really get them. Well, it shouldn't be about the win. It should be about holding them accountable for the 100% violation of the with a violation. Right. By the way, I just I never heard you talk about Guy Petrillo before. I've got I got Guy Petrillo. Good, I'm going to call you on that. Uh, one. All right. Yeah, so sorry, look, Harry, let me ask you this: then. Yeah, if Trump doesn't comply with his subpoena to testify before the January 6th committee, which he won't, which he will not, they have spelled out his intent to steal the 2020 election. But if he ignores the subpoena, yep. does he go to jail like Bannon? Or no. is it that just, once again, wishful thinking and allowing this Mandarin Mussolini to escape responsibility? Yeah, it's that one. The, uh, so I, just, I, I actually just wrote an op-ed on this yesterday. My take on this is, first, the committee doesn't expect. I mean, the committee does, will not want to get into a fight. They could lose, time will run out, and it'll put a little, like, whimper on the end of what's t- going to be a totally killer report. I don't think he will either. He could lose, too. And all he has to do is, you know, that the the old act of I I want to talk I want to talk hold me back and oh my god and how many times have we heard that bullshit right you remember that with Mueller he said the yeah. same thing I'm coming out I'm yeah. going to testify I'm going to tell my side of the story and yeah. you won't believe I, I got to say frankly, about you're not him believe what you're going to hear his it's success crazy. this must drive you crazy because I do think I am it, crazy from the, this uh, nonsense the Maggie Haberman book the thing about him is it really does seem like. He doesn't have much of a playbook. He developed it all in New York, and it's just the same moves over and over, you know, led with this, like, preternatural brazenness. Um, but, you know, it's, the, it's pretty predictable, and nobody knows better than you, I think. I mean, there's no way in the world he's going to testify. First of all, let me be very clear. If anybody wants a good laugh, read some of the testimony from his old cases, including, like, the Tim O'Brien. It is the nonsensical rantings of a lunatic mind as from Young Frankenstein. Yeah. It is the stupidest shit you've ever, ever read. You know, well, yeah, maybe, I'm not sure. It could be, maybe, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I can decide what a piece of property is worth. It's called mental evaluation. He's really into this mental thing. Right? <laughs> he can determine what a piece of property, because he says so, right? You know, it reminds me of like the movie The Ten Commandments from Ramsey's, right? I think it, therefore it is. That's who the guy thinks he is. He thinks he is omnipotent. He believes that he's above the law. And he's showing us that there are people that are above the law. And that, I do say, is on Merrick Garland. You are the man of metaphors. I just got to, man, we are going everywhere. Okay, so, well, I don't know. You want, is this, was that a comment or a no, challenge? No, that's a comment. Okay. So look, let, let's move oh. on with the January 6th committee because right. they're going to turn in their final report. All right, then what? It's going to be like Mueller report where it's historical important. However, it's not going to end up doing anything, right? I mean, will it, will it get swept under the rug like what they did with, Mer- with the Mueller report? 
Do you think Trump will be held accountable for his attempted coup if we lose the House in the midterms? It depends what we mean by accountability. Can it, it won't get, it's too thick to get swept under the rug. And Mueller had this, you know, strange kind of passivity in everything he did. This is going to be an important report, and it's, it's scandalous that, you know, even beyond his not having been held accountable criminally, we don't know the facts of, of the biggest sort of dereliction of democracy. I, I'm, I'm, you know, you, you were probably the worst. He's the worst. And, and the, the, uh, the, it's just unprecedented what, you know, this attempt to try to subvert the peaceful transition of power. So look, it'll be a doorstop. People won't read it all that much, but you've seen the subpoena itself had this four-page letter. That's like an executive summary of the actual report. It's going to be blistering. Who's going to use it? You're right. Historians, you know, um, uh, it will it change minds in the country? Maybe a few. But uh, part of this, at least, part of this is a battle for history. Think about Nixon and, you know, and the, 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 the final sort of social verdict that the country uh, delivered, you know, that we want that to, to happen in addition to or whether or not he, you know, you see him in an orange jumpsuit. The problem, though, is that history doesn't mean shit if we lose our democracy. And this guy is absolutely looking to destroy democracy. All right. So, so that's true. And now, I, look, I mean, that's right. So, you know, and now again, we're talking maybe Merrick Arm, maybe judges who have done an all, all in all pretty decent job and are rebuffing, you know, today the, everyone, everyone freaked out when, when Thomas, uh, you know, put a stay in for Graham. Today the court denied it. It's good. Same thing's going to happen in Arizona. Same thing's going to happen uh, in, in D.C. with Roberts and Trump and the taxes. By and large, by and large, with some important exceptions, the courts have kind of held the line. But you're, look, another way of putting what you're saying is if the courts were what Trump wants them to be, if they you know, were Putin-esque kind of no longer independent backstops, we are lost. That's true. But, you know, so it's a matter of, the, of, of what the institutions hold, even and, you know, against all your friends erstwhile friends and the like. Look, if Trump gets his way like Putin, you're going to start seeing a lot of people flying out of 10-story apartments. That's for sure. So I don't well, know. I'll be in New Zealand, I think. I'm trying to figure out where to go. But, I'm um, not allowed in New Zealand. You yeah. know, the felons aren't allowed in Is New Zealand. Is that right? Yeah. Canada. Where can we go? You can't go to Canada? No, special visas. That you really imagine? sucks. Yeah, and yeah. I have my family to lose there. Israel, so, well, you can always like make Aliyah. No? no. Uh, okay, I, sorry. I, I, it's possible. Yeah. So look, the polls are off, according to some journalists. Yeah, yeah they've they're been off for, They've been off for a while now. Yeah. But there's a narrative that's running that Republicans are skewing the polls in their favor. How does that even help them? Well, in general, there is a whole you know, science of who's going to be. be this, midterm elections are normally turnout elections. And this sense that they're going to win, they, well, at least one theory is it will sort of animate them. But they're doing something much worse. It's just, you know, we just heard about it in Texas today and New York. They're doing 
completely brazen uh, intimidation at the polls. You saw the pictures last week of you know guys in military fatigues, etc. That is something people can do something about. That is, then the DOJ is on that case. I was a U.S. attorney. In every district, you've got an elections officer. If you see a goon trying to act tough and be intimidated, take his friggin' picture and call the FBI. They, it will really make them back yeah. down. So look, first, yeah. the Supreme Court came for abortion rights and now affirmative action. That's right. In your opinion, What's motivating the court? I mean, they're clearly not concerned about their reputation or their legitimacy. So what can we expect from them next? My biggest fear, next is going to be Obergefell, which is the same-sex marriage. That's, they're going to put a stop to that on the same stupid theory that they ended up overturning Roe. Is there any way it's, to put an end to their reign of terror? The short answer, I think... Is no. All right, so there was the serious. I mean, yeah, that's I got, not what these people guy, want here. We you, all want got, answers. Harry, everyone, everyone you, want me to lie about this? Look, I'll no. give you my my um, my brief on the Supreme Court. And you know, look, I clerked there. I know most of the, these guys. They came of age. It's not even necessarily that they're mustache twirling, you know, Trump lovers, but they all came of age in this really extreme, you know, they, they identified as liberal hating, you know, who's more conservative than the next. That's who they are. And, and uh, Trump's, uh, you know, Ann McConnell and a lot, of, a lot of blame to go around, the complete brass knuckles, illegitimate construction of this new majority. They really are, I, you know, they, they're, they've got a home team. And it's a home team that not only goes against what the American people think, but also goes against what, the, what, legal, what our best legal thinkers think. They're, so the court's in a woeful, screwed up place, as it's been in a couple times in its history, and, you know, life tenure and nine people, I don't see either of those, re- uh, although you hear the proposals bandied about, I don't see either of them changing. So it is bad, 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 and for a generation. Uh, you know, it couldn't, the Supreme, uh, it's like heart, the biggest heartbreaking thing to me is that. Yeah, I mean, of the look, whole deal. You, you know, we've talked about if, this. If I could unwind, if, you know, and just like, t- just vaporize, I mean, you know, like you think about the, who was it who had the briefcase in 33 under the table where Hitler was at the, you know, the meeting? Oh, you're talking if, about Dunkirk. Yeah, if I could, ju- if we could no, undo Dunkirk. one. Uh, yeah. What was the name of the movie? Uh, no. Val- that's it, Valkyrie. Well, I was actually thinking of history, not the oh. movie. Oh. But I, I, live, I live by movies. When you're yeah. on home confinement. That was Tom Cruise with an eye yeah. patch. When you're, I mean, if we, could, if we could excise one He shot bit himself in the face of, like Stuart Rhodes. Of, of when, what Amy Winehouse would call fuckery. Over the last few years, it would it would be what he did to what he managed to do to the court. Yeah, when so you bad. end up sitting at home confinement, you watch anything that's on television, right? <laughs> I mean, it's only so much. You I should can call do. you for well, recommendations. Yeah, you should. Yeah. I've I've seen it all. all so right. look, last question before all we right. turn it over to some questions to okay. the audience. Because not to harp on the court, but why is Chief Justice Roberts stepped in to keep Congress from getting Trump's taxes indefinitely? I mean, their overwhelming bias should be disqualifying in the first place. I mean, where are their fucking ethics? So, I'm second to no person, as I just said, in my distress at the court. 
But here, here I'm going to go the other way, as I did when Thomas did the same thing with Graham. This is what they do. Kagan did the same thing to help the Arizona person. You get a motion that could have any, anything to it. You get it as the circuit justice. He's the circuit justice in the D.C. circuit. He puts on a stay just so the, the court can have a chance. He actually set a kind of a long, a distressingly long, people might think, oh, uh, past the midterms long, uh, you know, a week or so for people to brief it. But here's what's going to happen. Same as happened with Graham. Same as going to happen in um, in Arizona. He'll he'll give it to the court. They'll look at it. They'll see nothing there. And you know, so this stuff. It's a stay, but it's just totally customary to permit the court as a whole to consider it. This is for Trump. It's all about the same thing. Delay, delay, delay. All right. So let's let's take some questions from the audience. All right. Yeah. Um, this case coming up, the legislative yeah. thing that they're going to make the Green Bay sweep legal, we got to head that off. Like, I was reading about it. That's supposed to come up in like December or something. Yeah, in December. It's, it's the next. It's the next sitting. It's the second biggest case of the year. It had been a sleeper. Well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't want to. Well, we got to head it off. Yes. I, you, with with bombs or no? Like, listen. Why can't? Okay. First of all, we have to keep the house. We can't just say, oh, we're just going to give them the house. With but bombs no, or what? Like, okay. I don't know. Like, yeah. I mean, maybe the What are you hiding are inside that happy bed? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, but, like, why can't... I mean, we got to do something so that they can't decide that case. But by the time they decide it. I mean, we got to do impeachment proceedings on Claire and stuff. But if we keep the house, I guess we can't do that. Huh? Mm. Right? Well, let me explain I mean, we what's going... House, you are... You're... I... I totally understand why you're exercised as and am I. I love that do people know do people know what she's talking about with this independent state legislature doctrine like totally made up didn't no one heard of it two years and it's coming to a you know com, uh, a election near you and it could be devastating basically it's going to be a way you can hardly wrap your mind around it if you're a serious federalist and care about state power it's going to be a way for saying uh, this came up in Bush v. Gore, and even the most extreme uh, uh, opinion there, the idea is that as a matter of federal law, the state legislatures, who happen to all be Republican, mm -hmm. and not the state courts, who are some, sometimes fair, get to decide what happens in, for anything. for pro they, they can do, oh, we want a second set of electors and for Trump, et cetera. And you have how many? 300 you know, around the country. This is something we've cottoned to, but we were late mm -hmm. to see it. You know, they really did cede the Secretary of State and those state official levels, and it's really pernicious and dangerous, and there's the possibility, this came really out of nowhere, that the Supreme Court will, hold, will empower state legislatures, who are, you know, 26 of whom are controlled by Republicans, and enough to make the, the electoral college... If we had the House, could we start impeachment thing? Like Glenn Kirshner talks about that sometimes. About yeah. Just start the impeachment. Whether you're going to really do it or not, just start them. Like like Thomas. Look, look at how he's breaking the law every freaking day, man. I mean, and why should he be there? He lied, And then all the other ones that lied about abortion. It's This is like a Michael Cohen show on steroids. I hate yeah. to be... The, the bearer of the bad news, but, you know, I did clerk up there, and basically, <laughs> it's too fucking late. I, you know, that, that, I, yeah. okay, so, 
If they had, right, here, there was one way to do it. They would have had to break the filibuster for this and put 15 people on the Supreme Court. And so grievous is the situation that a lot of people, like, you know, Tony, respectable, button-down people, like Larry Tribe, were for it. Going to happen? It's not going to happen. So the Senate could actually ram through... You know, if if uh, Mansion would stay with them, and they could do it tomorrow, fifteen, you know, an extra six members of the court. It's but it's fanciful. I'm so sorry. Yeah, and, we need some more. Do we have another question in the audience yeah, back there? It's just not what right. happened. Let's get yeah. it on microphone because we are recording this. Boy, I, did, I I feel like I'm the bear of bad news when Thank I. You. Say, yeah. I'm okay. actually sorry okay. I brought you. Yeah. We're going to call you Doctor Doom yeah. from now on. Yeah. Now, it's going to get a lot better soon when Kathy Griffin comes up. <laughs> All right. Hi, I'm Eileen. My name's Eileen. This Hi. question's for Michael and okay. Harry. Why are you so sure Trump isn't going to run with this independent state legislature case if they give them that power? I read, some people are saying, I'm just like, that, um, <laughs> that the GOP does not believe that it will be a regular election in 2024, that they're just going to walk in. And it'll be Trump and um, Marge. The governor of Wisconsin said that today. I'll just make sure the R's win. Why don't we believe... I really should defer to you. It's my instinct, again, because of this sense of him as a as fearing losing, but, you know, I've always said psychoanalyzing Trump, you know, that way lies madness. But you were next to the guy, and you don't think so. So what's your No, thinking? I think he would prefer to be the power player, the man behind the scene, and that way he can continue to take advantage of the um, supporters that he has to keep bilking them. I don't know if anybody is a goof. I, mean, I did it. You know, I signed myself up in order to get the Trump emails. And so you must get, before I wake up, I have 80. I have 80. Dear patriot, dear friend, right? Dear American. And then you get Don Jr., my dad, right? It's like, my dad wants everybody to give all their fucking money. All right? And he's like, there is a way to unsubscribe, you know. Is anyone like, I mean, it's, and, and then you got Eric, who's legitimately the dumbest of them all. He copies Eric, uh, Don's stupid shit. And he's like, you're not going to abandon my father now, are you? Abandon him? The guy's already basically wiped out everybody's bank account for the tune of $250 million to fix his broken down plane. I mean, it's like, it's crazy. Before you wake up, you are inundated with all of these crazy things. Oh, the radical, lying left media, Democrats, and so Antifa. on. They're, they're at it again, right? It's all Antifa. <laughs> it's all Black Lives Matter. It's all everything other than him, right? So... He's not going to run because he's figured out the great grift. He's making more money by doing this than he did on his best season of Apprentice. All right? And he doesn't want it to stop. So, so what's he going to do then? Where, what's he, where does he go from the presidency? Because it seems like he's always having a one-up, one-up, one-up. Where does he go from here? So there's a great answer for that one. I want people to remember when Vladimir Putin finished his second term as president of Russia. And what did he ended up doing? Well, he then decided he was going to put Medvedev into office 
and he became the prime minister. And the only thing the president is allowed to do is to bring documents to the prime minister to sign. Well, that's not going to happen here in America. However, he wants to be the guy behind the scenes, that everybody has to go down to Mar-a-Lardo and kiss the ring and pay homage to him so that he could continue to not just grift in this country, but then he could expand the grift. Because something that many of you have heard me say on mea culpa, he didn't want to be president of the United States. He wanted this campaign to be the greatest infomercial in the history of U.S. politics. And he ended up doing that. He did that by using racism and sexism and misogyny and xenophobia and homophobia and Islamophobia and anti-Semitism to accomplish it. And this is not the man who we want. So I'm with you, by the way, lady with the funny bag. All right, I'm with you, all right? We need to do something. What it is, I have no clue, but we need to do something. And the only thing I can say, make sure you vote and vote blue. All right, we need some more questions. Yep. Um, hi, this, my name is Judy, and this is a question hi, for Hi, Judy. Hey. Hi. I, um, I want to tell you that um, I'm so proud of who, who you've become. I really am. From I the bottom you, of my but, heart. But I, I thank you for that. But I do hope that you read Revenge, because what you will, will. learn, I've always been this guy. <laughs> I have been. And the stories that were told about me, I've never been to Prague. I never paid off um, you know, Russian compromats in order to um, you know, fix the nonsense of Paul Manafort. I never threatened Stormy Daniels, all right, ever. In fact, the time that they claimed that I had gone to Vegas with somebody that looked like me, which ended up looking like her husband, and I don't look like her husband, um, I, I wasn't even working for Trump at the time. And I had no idea who she even was. In fact, until she was on my podcast, I had never spoken to her. I never communicated with her. I never emailed her. Every single thing that I did, I did through her attorney, Keith Davidson. I didn't send money off to Iran or Russia or, you know, some other country. I sent it to Beverly Hills, California, where this asshole works, to his law firm. Right? I mean, that's what I did. I did an NDA. You know what? That's what lawyers do. Should I have done it? No. I should not have, right? But the, the stories that were told about me that were made up, and who made them up? Donald, and Jared, and Don Jr. And they used the press, they used the, the Fox News machine in order to promote this lie. I've always been the same guy, right? Was I a sharp-elbowed New York attorney? Yeah, yeah, I was. I, and I did it better than most. So when we had fights with contractors, right? Or we had fights with Benjamin Moore, yeah, we ended up taking advantage of the situation. We did. But at that time, he was the president and CEO of a small family real estate entertainment company. It's not the same as before. And it's something that I tried to point out. Um, but media didn't want that. They wanted it to be the salacious, dirty stuff because that's what sells. And it's really terrible. And I, I write revenge not just to tell the true story of what really happened, and I take responsibility like for lying for Congress, but I did that, again, at the direction of and for the benefit of Donald Trump, just as I did the Stormy Daniels lie. I never paid Karen McDougal, by the way. That was David Pecker who acknowledged it, but I did plead guilty to it. I was fined for it, and it was part of my sentence. So it just goes to show you the system 
is really bad. And my biggest fear is I want to be an advocate for it. I want to be, I, I, I really want to change the justice system. I want to change prison reform because it's so desperately needed. And my biggest fear is that the damage that this journey has done to me, which is immeasurable, and to my family, I never want to see it happen to anybody. Not you, not anybody. Republican, Democrat, Independent. I never want to see it. It's a pain that you can't even begin to imagine and you never should have to. You also look a million times hotter since you broke for good. Like, you know, you know that, right? He's a sexy beast. You used to have like the dark circles under your eyes and, you know. Listen, you would, you would have dark circles too, you know, when you're sitting and crying, when you're sitting and crying with your wife and your children, you know, after you get hit with a 36-month sentence for legitimately, you know, paying a porn star, not to talk about her pulling his mushroom pecker. Can I, can I ask Carrie one question? I'm, um, I'm sorry. Um, for the, the members in Congress who asked for a pardon, who aided and abetted the insurrection on January 6th, um, Paul Gosar, Andy Biggs, Josh Hawley, Marjorie Taylor Greene, all of them, will they ever see any consequences for what they've done? So it's a, it's a great question, and they will be, I mean, they're certainly in the sights somewhere. Let me, let me take a step back and say there are two teams were, you know, one's on Mar-a-Lago and one's on January 6th. And these guys, you know, they certainly figure in and they're, I, I think that they'll have to face the music that they didn't in, um, in before January 6th committee of at least, you know, talking or being called before the grand jury and then we'll see if they take the fifth. Let's say it's the case, and it's my, you know, best guess that it is the case, that Trump is indicted and convicted for document crimes having to do with Mar-a-Lago. Um, you know, have that, like, thought experiment now, and what, what then of all the January 6th, the, you know, perfidy? Will there still be the same, you know, how will it look? Will there be the same kind of mop-up um, uh, feeling. That's, I think, the it's not that they, I, I, I think there, there is con, co-conspiracy liability there, but remember when people came in at first, there was a sense of, you know, try to put it behind you. The question is if he, and not just him, by the way, very importantly, I, you know, his, there's going to be Haldemans and Ehrlichmans here, I think. Hopefully it includes Mark Meadows, but it, you know there there are other people who are going to go down. I think so. At that point, will the DOJ, even assuming it's still you know in Democratic hands, be really putting Gosar and those guys uh, in their sights when they have certain defenses, et cetera? My prediction is no, and it it shouldn't be. I mean, they really they really did facilitate. Um, but uh, I just think, you know, we're talking about what's going to already be the biggest prosecution in DOJ's history if it happens. And, you know, for four or five years down the line to be going back against, uh, against members of Congress, if they're still, if they're even still there, et cetera. My, if, I had, if I had to predict, I'd say no. Aren't you glad I came I'd here? I'd trade them all in for one Trump. Yeah. <laughs> okay, right, we well, then you should be glad. more questions this all right. round. All right, here we go. Yeah. Hi, I, my name is Larry, and I have a question for Mr. Cohen. 
Mr. Cohen, I am just curious, um, and I forgive me for not for not for, for forgetting the timeline. But were you still um, Donald's attorney during the initial stage of the pandemic? No, no, I stopped somewhere around uh, March or April of 2017. Well, I still have a question. Do you? This is just pure speculation that I'm asking. But do you think that had uh, Donald received word from a man by the name of Howard Lorber, who I actually contacted at his residence, of, a, of an alternative, a bona fide alternative treatment for COVID, that he would have entertained it? Because I did send a, a bunch of very complex research papers to Mr. Lorber at his request, and I advised him that I was in the process of receiving an endorsement by Walter Willett at Harvard, who is the second most cited researcher in clinical medicine. And he went from, oh, I'll surely run it by Donald, to, um, no, I can't approach the president about this, about a week after I sent those papers. So what, do you think he would have just blown it off, or, or what's your speculation? So to people, if you don't know, Howard Lorber is the president and CEO of Douglas Elliman. So why he would end up getting involved in COVID, other than I know he had COVID, because I know Howard for my entire life, um, I don't see anybody. And it's not appropriate for Howard at that point in time. Howard was actually the head of the Holocaust Museum in DC. So it would be completely inappropriate for him to take anything to the president. And if you want to take you know, something, it's supposed, there is a chain. See, Trump doesn't believe in process. Right. Um, and, you know, they have the National Institute of Health that they were working on. They have other, you know, they had Dr. Fauci and they had Dr. Um, uh, Burks, I believe. And there was a team that were working on it. It would be wholly inappropriate for the head of it, an incredibly large real estate sales force right, to bring, you know, COVID concepts, regardless of who brought it to him or why you really don't want to do that because it could create all sorts of other additional problems. Like if somebody made money on it, they would claim that Howard was then somehow involved and maybe taking bribe. I, I, if it came to me, I wouldn't have done it either. All right, we got time for one more question this round. Yeah, hi, Michael. It's Dan. I, uh, you know, it was, it was really moving when Elijah Cummings spoke to you at the hearing. I, I just wondered if you had any contact with him, you know, before his uh, death? I did. I did. In fact, um, after that comment, um, he called me that night uh, and we actually both cried. Uh, to be honest, he was one of the most incredible people that I can say that I have met in my entire life. And um, I spoke with him several more times. He would call just to ask, how am I holding up How's your family holding up? He really showed, you know, so much empathy as a human being um, for the plight, the journey that I was traveling. And I remember when we first talked about me coming in to testify and why he felt it was extremely important that I do it publicly, not privately, because the information that I would provide and the way in which I would provide that information, he felt 
would help America to heal and to maybe stop some of the divisiveness. Maybe it lasted for a day or two, but the power of Trump and Trumpism and the cult of Trump, it's, it's all-encompassing. It's all-powerful. He knows how to get in right to Yakishka's in hate and everything else that's, you know, um, that he's comprised of, and he figures out how to make everybody the same. It's terrible. All right, let's okay, give a big round of applause for uh, Harry Lindman. Time to move down, guys. Move down the sofa. Because we're about to bring on the real funny honey. The queen of mean, Kathy Griffin. Come on out. I'm back. I'm back with some more pessimism. No, I'm kidding. Jesus, stop confessing to fucking crimes. I've listened to it back there. He's like... Did I rough up a couple of guys at Benjamin Moore? Maybe. <laughs> Did I talk to some contract? Easy. Okay, easy. No more confessing. <laughs> Listen, the, the, the problem, though, is all of a sudden now you find... I get attacked on social media, as do you. Yes. And a lot of the people turn around and they say to me, well, you used to do his, you know, his criminal work. It's not criminal work to file a lawsuit against yes. Benjamin Moore. All right, it's not criminal. It's not well, criminal to file what a lawsuit against What was his issue with a, Benjamin Moore paints? Because the cheap bastard bought the cheapest paint that didn't stay to the wall, and he wanted more expensive free paint. All right. I talked about it in this law. It's it's it well, was meant for a garage. They, why didn't you make it happen to Sherwin Williams? What, what, what did I Sherwin have, Williams do wrong? I have. I think about these things. I don't sleep. <laughs> Can you believe hell froze over and we're friends now? I love this. I love this. This gives and, me hope. And, and a lot of it, in all fairness, was thanks to Rosie O'Donnell. Yes. Who is a mutual fan. I don't know if people know this, but she actually came and visited me in Otisville. All right? She is she the real did. deal. She, she's the real deal. She's, she is the real deal. She is an absolute sweetheart of a human yeah. being. She almost got me thrown into the shoe simply because you're not allowed to cross-pollinate with other inmates while you're having conversations. And at the end of the day, they were angry that everybody wanted to come over and say hi to Rosie. Well, she is, so they're like, Cohen, get rid of him. You know, you can't do that. You know that. I'm like, it's not me. What the hell do you want? I mean, between Rosie and Donnie Deutsch pissing in the trees, right? I almost ended up in the shoe twice. Donnie, dog, oh, Jesus, stay out of the shoe. For God's sake, out of the shoe. All right. All right. We'll, we'll try. Okay. So, okay. Kathy Griffin, everybody. Everybody. All right. By the way, um, well, I thought it was interesting because when I went through my, like, Trump thing, one thing that they did was um, they would call my First Amendment attorney, who's now retired, but he's Alan Isaacman is his name, and you know him quite well. And um, he famously won the landmark Supreme Court case, Jerry Falwell versus Hustler Magazine. Because that's who I need to hire. <laughs> I need the guy who <laughs> won the court case against fucking Larry Flynn. And so he's been a great First Amendment attorney. But he did say that during my two-month-long investigation before my interrogation under oath, um, where I thought it was the, the Secret Service in the AUSA, and when I discussed that case with you, you're like, no, honey, it's the U.S. Attorney's Office, not <laughs> even the assistant U.S. Attorney's Office. But um, I, they called his office every single day because they wanted me to, they, he said, they straight up said, they want a video of you being perp walked into downtown LA. 
but they were obsessively calling him. And I mean, I guess that's why I paid him the big bucks. But I don't know how aggressively they could try to get someone to do that. But it was kind of like one of the things that actually scared me. Because I kept thinking, like, what if there's a day where, I don't know, like a fucking sheriff comes or whatever. It was fucking nuts. Yeah, well, listen, I lived it. Yes. I, I lived it. And Jeffrey what, Berman, what, what the a former. What bunch of desperados we are. I know. I'm trying the to former. think of the crimes I right. could have right. done. Right. Could you imagine? I, I, all you I have took to some do is, lifesavers as a boy. Or all you, you need to do is to make a hostage I feel video. I so straight. Right? Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. So look, Kathy. Yes. You posted a photo. And then you received thousands of death threats, yes. including some left on, I think it was your mother's answering machine. Yeah. And others, you know, called into um, your sister My Joyce's hospital My sister's hospital when room. she was dying of cancer. Yeah. And then you dealt with your own, you know, your own cancer. Yes. And so on. Enlighten us. How does one woman deal with all that and live to tell the tale? <laughs> and so bravely. Oh, that's very, very, I appreciate it very much. I feel like... I feel like I'm, I'm trying, you know, I'm so like, it was such an immense experience. I'm not going to like lie about it because for it's been five and a half years, you know, and for a long time, like at first I had to sort of play it off and I went on tour right away and the tour was very successful, luckily, but I had a lot of incidents. I had like banner drops, you know what that is? Like right now they're doing, Kanye was right about the Jews and in my tour, they would, these, they organize online. You might know a little about this, but there's some organization. So, like, they would show up at a show and do a banner drop that says Trump 2020. One guy came to Houston, and he was in one of those shirts where it's all Trump's face. Like, it's so fucking weird. And he just walked around outside the Houston Symphony Hall, well, Jones Hall, it's called, where I was playing beautiful theater, just calling my name with a knife like this. And I had security, but they can't all be around the crate. Like, the whole audience was leaving. And then an audience member saw me and said, run, Miss Griffin. I was like, you can call me Kathy. But anyway, <laughs> it's, it's so nuts and intense that I know, I know like it, I, people get tired of me talking about it, but there really is a lot to say. And when it happened to me in 2017, I really thought I was going to be the last. Like, I really thought, okay, he like fully investigated me. You know, it was a real thing. They didn't do a no-knock, but like... They had to search my house for weapons, you know, and I have a sword because I've done so many fucking drag shows as a judge that I have one from the Naked Swordsman, good group for you. Now, these are gays that like a little sword work, and they're kind of fanciful. They don't mind some drama. I can get you a number. Anyway, so I had to explain to the Secret Service why I had a sword in my home because the MAGAs really think I got on a plane, jumped over the fence of the White House, chopped off Donald Trump's head, held it for a while, and then I guess they sewed it back on or something, and then he <laughs> could continue. But it still continues. It's just insane. They have a lot of lasting power, these MAGA folks. They do, and they don't stop. They love it. They, lo they, they feed off it, and one yeah. feeds off it to the other. And I will say, I do have friends that voted for Trump, and I swear, when I try to say... I promise I will not do my, you know, soapbox lefty BS. Like, can we please? And they can't do it. 17 minutes into Thanksgiving, it's like, well, I'm a constitutionalist. I guess that's why I'm a criminal. Like, okay, I just wanted my sweet potatoes. So it's difficult because, you know, I have many Republican friends. I had many Republican friends. And some of them, well, I know some of your friends don't talk to you. But I mean, just... <laughs> You know, it's weird that I can't even have, like, a conversation with some of my Republican friends because they, they think I'm, like, 
maybe doing a little child trafficking? It's so nuts. It's just beyond like you're a shitty comic. It's way, that was 10 years ago. It's now, it's just gotten so crazy. So, yeah, it's, it's become a zero-sum game. Yeah. In order for me to win, you have to lose yes. and get decimated. Yeah. Not just lose, you have That's to get decimated. That's the word decimated. Don Jr. used about me on GMA. He was like, well, our family doesn't want to just ruin her career. We want to decimate her. Yeah. And I was like, who the fuck are you, you ape? He looks like an ape. Cro-Mag. It's a Cro-Mag nightmare. Well, I didn't mean to insult apes. What? There you go. All right, well, I know how so, like shit. me, you were investigated by the Secret Service, right? And you had yes. some dealings with the Department of Justice yes. or the Department of Injustice, as I like to say, right? Would you mind telling us how that went and how it affected your life? Well, the crazy thing was that photo exploded so fast. I've now been able to, like, do a lot of research and learn as much as I can about how that happened because... The photo was just, honestly, it was a photo shoot I did in my house with this photographer who was just dumb enough to send it to TMZ. And we did other pic, yeah, I mean, it was that, he kind of screwed me that way because TMZ and Harvey Levin and American Media, David Pecker, Dylan Howard, those guys who were mentioned in Mueller Report, I'm not saying TMZ was in Mueller Report, but they all, they do work together and they, they did catch and kill projects, et cetera. So... I learned that they had an infrastructure that I had no clue about, hopefully nobody did because it's so outrageous, to take that photo of me have with the Halloween mask with ketchup on it and manipulate it to either make it more extreme, but it was all over the world. It was in Farsi, it was in Chinese, it was in Russian, within like hours. So then the bots take over, and then all you need is a few real-life people to believe it, and a couple blue checks pick it up. And then the right-wing media was in heaven, because Bob Mueller had actually just been assigned a few days prior to that, and I think they were looking for like the next thing that would be a distraction. But one thing like, I'm so dying to ask you about is, I'm so curious, who do you think was like the one that came up with the idea, like, let's take that bitch Kathy Griffin's picture, and let's make her a jihadist, and let's really investigate her, and let's call her every day and ask her to come in and do a perp walk, and all my, I was in the middle of a 50-city tour. I'm 61 years old, okay? And I'm thrilled to be working. 50 cities is awesome. And then in the middle of the tour, I stood, every theater got death threats. And so the tour was canceled within 72 hours. I found out I was fired on CNN on the ticker. Nobody like even called me. And of course the worst was when I lost my endorsement for Squatty Potty, which <laughs> I was the face of Squatty Potty, Harry. I don't know if you know that. Jason, honey, it's like a stool when you're going number two, where it goes like this. I can't help but I live it. And so that was on the ticker of CNN. Kathy Griffin loses her job as the face of Squatty Potty. And that would hurt because I'm human. All right, so, oh yeah, so I have actually not really earned more money than I've, you know, had overhead since that. So, you know, I'm okay, because luckily I, my whole life I saved and all that other stuff. It's a big part of my ethos, if I have one. But I've, I haven't made a profit since then. And, you know, people still, I still have like a, the stench of, you know, would, could she play in the red states? Or, you know, can she be on a TV show that will do well in other than two coastal cities. So I, I don't think it's an issue, but there's still a lot of minds to change. And a lot of the check signers in Hollywood, like the guys that are like way, way at the top, like the David Zaslav guys and stuff, the ones who really make the decisions, they're real, they are Republicans. 
Jeff Zucker's a Republican. He was a Republican. He still, well, now he's kind of gone. <laughs> he finally left. But I'm not bitter. It's really you. No. Um, so it's just something that just comes up a lot in my life. Sorry, I'm getting done a tangent. And you want the answer. I want answers. All right, so who do you think would do the Kathy Griffin scheme? David Pecker, if I had to guess. <gasps> oh and God. I'll tell you why. Well, tell me who David Pecker is. So David Pecker is the former president and CEO of AMI, which owned the National Enquirer. And the reason I say that is you all will remember when there were 19 Republicans that were running for the nomination, the GOP nomination. And one by one, what we did is we systematically knocked them off. But Ted Cruz was a little bit more difficult. Mm. That was, of course, up until the time that David Pecker and I decided that we were going to put a picture of his father with Lee Harvey Oswald and put oh it on the front God. cover of the you newspaper. You are going to hell in a handbasket. Handbasket! Nothing for nothing. I'm already in hell. So uh, I, I truly do know what hell looks like. I've been there. Yeah. And I... and. Again, it was because we were really... But how did they, like, get it out? Like, how did the picture get circulated so So you fast? started off on the National Enquirer with all of their periodicals. You throw it onto the Internet, and it just gets picked up because people wanted to believe it. Holy shit. Now, I'll never forget Donald saying when he saw that, he's like, you understand that no matter which way it goes, Ted Cruz comes out like the asshole that he is. And the reason why is if he denies it, people don't care. Yeah. And he certainly can't say that it happened, right? Other than saying that this is my father and this is terrible. Well, what our response is, what else is he supposed to say? Mm -hmm. And Trump fell in love with the idea. He was like, you have to do it. What is this the name is of that thing? It's like the, it's like the upside down reverse. It's like you guys will like flip it, but then flip it again yes, on somebody. Yes, but don't forget too, we did the same thing then to Marco Rubio when we put him into a, uh, a swimming pool after a coke binged party naked with a bunch of other guys. There was no way that he was able to say yes or no. So when you ask me the question, who do I think was the one who manipulated and who put it out there yeah. and used the methodology that we used to use in order to get traction on things like this, I would have to say David. Somehow or another in my case, talk about crazy shit. David Pecker is the one who paid Karen McDougal the $150,000. All I did is review a contract to make sure that Trump was protected in the event that David became the president um, and CEO Tell of... Tell me who Carrie McDougal is. Uh, what's that? Tell me who Carrie McDougal is. Karen McDougal was the former Playboy playmate and um, that Trump was having an affair with at the same time. And she that went he was 60 Minutes, with, and she, by yes. the way, she kept saying, I'm still voting for him. I still love him. Could you imagine? I know. So what, what ended up happening with, with this whole thing is I was asked to review documents to ensure that if David left and became the head of Time magazine, then Donald would be protected. And so somehow or another, that gets thrown onto me. I get charged, fined, and spent time in prison as a direct result of David paying Karen McDougal $150,000. Why does David get off scot-free? Not only did he get off scot-free, they gave him immunity to testify <gasps> against That's me. That's right. He and right. They both did. That's right. And, Shit. And so it's why I turn around and I say, the system needs an overhaul. And the story, again, that people think that they know about me it's not the real story. And 
again, one of the reasons I, I was so adamant about ensuring that revenge comes out is because if they can do it to me, especially yes. with my megaphone and you know my proximity at the time to power, well, look just at Ruby think Freeman. about what they can do to you. Yeah, and think about Ruby Freeman. And think about reality winner and yeah. think about all these other folks that end up being held accountable yeah. for their actions. The only one who doesn't get held accountable right. is Trump. Yeah. All right, I have a question for the I have a question for the and panel. And Mark Meadows, oh boy. And Matt Gates. And by the way, and Josh Hawley and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Does anybody and, remember? I always think I have like Devin these. Nunes wins a prize every time. But um, I always think of like I have these like flashbacks about other shit that we almost forgot about the Trump like during that era. Do you guys remember when Ayanna Presley, Ayanna Presley was asserting herself? She confronted Mark Meadows when he was still a congressman, a, kind of accusing him of like racism and sexism. And he did that thing where he burst into tears, he turned all red. Oh my lord, I could never be a racist. Like he really laid it on thick. And then Elijah Cummings like had his back. Like Elijah Cummings was like, no, no, I can vouch. He is not a right. We've gone fishing or whatever the fuck they did. We've hung out. So actually this story on that oh, one is Mark Meadows, Mark Meadows paraded out a young lady who was a friend of mine named Lynn Patton, who I'm the one who was successful in getting her the position to work uh, at the Trump Organization for Eric. He parades her out, and the goal of doing so was in order to show, well, Donald can't be racist because Lynn is black, and therefore she's an executive, which, by the way, she was not. They made her an executive three days before this, right. all right, um, which, is, which is true. She's a great girl. I, I knew her. Prior, I brought her to Eric. I said, she really needs the job. She's very competent. She'll be able to handle, you know, working does for you. Does she still work for Eric Trump? She does not. She oh, left the Trump you She became the head of HUD in New York. Completely oh, unqualified cool. to do it. But yet they ended up paying. That was her payback, right? They made her to yeah. the head of HUD. She should not stand for the fact that Donald is not a racist. Yeah. All right? It has nothing to do. You know, they brought her on. And when I turned around, I said to Mark Meadows, really, why don't you ask her how many black people work as executives yeah. or assistants to executives in the entire Trump organization? I said, Mark, you're looking at the only one. Yeah. All right. So when I turned around and I, my first line in my opening before the House Oversight, when I called him a racist, I wasn't joking. Yeah, he is. He is. And people like were acting like that was an unfair thing to say for a while. Like, oh, come on with the extremist talk. I wouldn't go that far. All right, here's my question for the panel. So I've been sued since this Trump incident by several MAGA folks, and I want to know your opinion on who might be funding these. Because I'm now a professional defendant. Two of them are from that school, Covington Catholic High School in Kentucky, yeah, yeah. where the, the MAGA hat kid, and they went to the National Mall, and they were rude to the Native American guy, and they smeared him. So 12 other families from that same school sued me in federal court and state court in K Kentucky, in federal court in the Eastern District. and. Um, the three tweets I had made about that incident, they said I was doxing them. But I've had everything dismissed at every level, every single level. And in fact, I even sent you the, what do you call it when the judge writes the like explanation of why he did it? Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> Easy with the big words. Big words. Slow down, Mary. Eponymous. Eponymous. Whoa, too many. All right, so, but anyway, so 
I know how much lawsuits cost because I never countersue because I'm spending too much defending myself. And so who do you think is funding these suits? And there's two more. One is, one is from a CEO, but the other one is from a guy. Maybe you saw the tape. His name is Sam Johnson. It was in Franklin, Tennessee, and two kids, two gay kids are going to the prom, and one of the boys is dressed as a, in a red dress, and he's, like, following them around and creepily, like, harassing them. So I tweeted about that as well. The guy got fired. Everybody was tweeting about it. It was on TikTok for a whole day and all this stuff. So this guy is also suing me, saying that he got, I got... He got fired because of me. So I now have these four lawsuits running. Who is, I can't believe the 12 families in Covington are all paying to, to do this themselves. Any theories? I believe. Is this super PACs? I believe is that it? there's somebody that's in that area who is a MAGA supporter. And again, it's to cancel you. That's all, that's all that it is. But they if never, they do they think they're going to win? They don't need to win. So what I they actually, just need to I, do I, is I to financially hurt you. I mean this in serious and sobriety. This goes back to Hillary Clinton. It was, in fact, everything about Whitewater was a vast right-wing uh, conspiracy. And it just is a sort of hobby horse. I don't know if it's the Koch brothers or whatever, but this has been a kind of, you know, pretty effective tool in the toolbox is to just gin up really both, not just expensive, but nasty sort of uh, potentially Do they think they're going to win, or do they know they're going to get dismissed? It doesn't make a difference. That's right. But let they me know. Sure. It costs a ton of money. It does, it, they're willing they to lose it. to inflict pain. On and you, exactly. sweetheart, guess what? What? They did, right? Yeah. That's yeah. the problem. I've talked to, yeah. Yeah. So, Kathy, let me, let me yes. move on for a quick second. Why is it guys like Trump and Elon Musk haven't been canceled yet themselves? Is it just the fact that they have money, right? At least one of the guys does. Because that and their white male privilege is about all that they have going for them. And no amount of truth gets through to their cult. Why do they seem so bulletproof? And how do we cancel them? <laughs> I don't know, because I, I'm not a believer in canceling. So By the way, neither am I. I know, right? And so... One thing I talk about, which people don't enjoy all the time, but I get more concerned about the Joe Roganization of America more than Trump, because Trump will croak. But I haven't seen Joe for many years, but he was a middling comic, a brick wall comic, and he was, you know, funny. He was good on that show News Radio for a year. But, you know, sometimes these guys, oh, it's going to sound bad. There are a lot of dudes that when they can't do something super, super well, they take like a dark, nasty turn because there's always money to be made when you're shitting on other people and you can find others that are kind of like you described, like the aggrieved guys. But what, what kind of freaks me out is, I don't care if you're a fan of Joe, I think Joe can be super funny, but I'm shocked at how many people I personally know that didn't get vaccinated because of Joe Rogan. And that's something like I've never seen. I'm a Stern fan, and I remember all the years my girlfriends would give me shit because I would go on Howard. If you don't see the difference between Howard being naughty but then evolving over time, et cetera, et cetera, giving me a mouthpiece, giving Joan, Howard actually does like women, believe it or not. And I think what Joe is doing is something different, but I don't know why other people don't go, that shit's dangerous. He and Musk and Kanye and Chappelle are like the foursome, and they hang together, and I fear that that's the mindset that women can't really battle. 
So my experience, because I'm in a very male-dominated field, and I've been around so long, that the stuff you women can complain about now, we just simply couldn't. So pardon me, because I get old-fashioned and I use like bad terms. But I can just tell you, I have just my whole career has been these guys, whether it's another comic who's pissed I got somewhere or doesn't like that one of the girls is doing well. I don't, I've never seen anything like it where that's still allowed to continue. And that what is what frightens me. So that's my fear because it's not as dangerous and obvious as Trump. And I just think there's something that was ginned up in the Gamergate, Bernie Bros, you know, MAGA white people, fucking boomer white people. And I can't even talk to those bitches in the suburbs who voted for Trump last time. I don't know what the fuck was that about. So something was ginned up. My opinion about why women voted for Trump, I do think a lot of women are still colonized. I'm sorry. I've had a conversation with the great Gloria Steinem about this. And she said, you've got women that went to Harvard, but they may be in some sort of a societal structural system where there's, the point is she was saying, there's just still a lot of women that just don't want to go against their husband or dad or brother. And that's just a reality. So I know that doesn't sound very forward of me, very progressive, but that's just what I've seen. That's my little... Well, she said, don't let her shut you up. You know, my woman to have lungs and I are going to keep on puff up and puffing, damn it. <laughs> That's right. All righty. So let's just imagine for a second that Kathy Griffin runs the world. And I'm sure that you'd be overqualified. But what would your priorities be at this particular juncture in American history? You know what? This is like, so, I'm going to sound like Cory Booker, who I love. Who I, by the way, I think Senator Booker got shit on a lot because he like believes in love. Everyone's like, that homo. I'm like, no, no, no. He's saying love makes the world go round. Calm down. Like, he took a beat down. But I actually think that like, it's kind of all, I am a capitalist. But it's kind of got to be about as close to equality as we can get. I just think that's the name. And I'm not just talking about LGBT, but it's that, that notion. If we can just see each other more as equals, I just feel an interaction. I just feel like that's like the name of the game. I don't know. Like in a relationship, to me, the best thing to keep it healthy is just to keep talking. And I just feel like it's kind of that simple. So that's what scares me is I feel like we can, we're losing sight of something that is in our grasp or maybe could have been. I don't know. Yeah. So what would, what would a Kathy Griffin activism be? Like well, what, would, what would be your first priority? Like me personally, yeah. I'll tell you, I believe that men and women's health are not equal. Yeah. And I don't understand that. Yes. All right. You know, if it's a man's genitals, then it gets one sort of better perspective, right? I mean, like, Make it work. Like, Get it back working. Like, like, right. It's like uh, insane. And when it comes to women, I think women's health is absolutely that ignored. Funny. Yeah. What? This is, that's what you hear in life. <laughs> that's, I mean, that would be um, a, a real priority in mind because I've seen it, and, you know. And, no, I've seen and it I with my cancer stuff. I'm yes. actually sort of shocked, like, you get, you get some sexism in, like, that health area, and it's always a little jarring for a minute. Isn't it? Yeah. Because it's something that just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't, yeah. and nothing's covered. For some reason, I nothing's know. I mean, for God's sakes, a guy could get a lifetime supply of Viagra, 
But a woman can't get medication for, you know, let's say endometriosis. Yeah. This is not this is not a joke. And it yeah. you know, and shame on our politicians, especially the female ones. Right. But by the way, like I do think Biden is doing such great work in that area, and it breaks my heart if we lose House or or Senate because I mean, remember Obama with John Boehner and then and then to, um, Paul Ryan? Not, Obama wasn't able to do very much of anything the last two years. And we didn't have the Margie Greens at that time. And, you know, we had people five toes on each foot. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard. I mean, people are saying. Many, many smart people pe- say. Many smart people have told yes. me. That. Yeah. So listen, obviously, congratulations on beating cancer. That's what I was getting <laughs> That's the important thing. Yes, and look, you've survived more than your share of challenges. Yes. I think we'll all acknowledge that. Where are you at in your career? You know, it's really interesting. Um, the, my voice is a little bit limited, as you can tell. I'm actually a little bit afraid to go on the road right now. Um, I just think it's too crazy out there. And uh, when I had my incidents on my tour, it was 2018. And QAnon had not really taken off like it has now. And those people are super violent because they honestly think they are saving the children. Like if you watch the Scientologists, the Scientologists, I call them Scientologists, um, those nut jobs, but they really think they're saving the world. And you'll do anything if you think you're saving like a baby or whatever. So those guys show up a little bit. And I'm, you know, I will see what audiences want to hear about. It's such a dark time. So... I don't know, I, but I want to go back on the road again more than anything. But right now, I've just been working kind of for free, so I'm just kind of trying to build my career back again and see if people will accept me with my new voice and my new attitude. What about a book? You know, I've written two books, and I tried to hawk a book about a year ago, and it was just an exercising rejection. Like, and it was so bad, it was like, because my first book was number one New York Times bestseller, my second book was 15. So they called my previous publishers, and one goes, too difficult and too expensive. <laughs> yeah, even though it went to number one. And then the second one was like, yeah, if you're happy at number 15. Like, it was vicious. <laughs> so I was like, okay, let's, apparently there's no book interest at this moment. But I don't know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I live in that same world, by the way. Really? I really do. I'm you not, have a book out. I'm, yes, I did. Um, it's very unconventional how I did it, including with Disloyal. You know, most people, they get advances and so on. Yeah. I never got an advance. I never, I never took it. They weren't offering it. In fact, even my book, Disloyal, which was number one for five weeks, yeah. number one, New York Times bestseller, I was turned down by everyone. Why? Everyone. Because too divisive, I'm yeah. too polarizing. controversial, too and so on, and way too polarizing. Yeah. And as I tried to explain to them, I don't give a fuck what you say, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to be number one, and this book is number eight. That's right. You know, and then the worst part is when you do get the felony conviction, you were not there. No, not But yet. the first thing not that yet. happens is the banks. The banks that you've been working with for over 25 years, all of a sudden, you're, you're a problem for them. You're mm-hmm. too high profile. And so they close out your account, and then they just send you a check. It's not even, now you go to another bank, and they turn around, and they're like, well, they don't want you. We certainly don't want you. Jesus. And now you're walking around with a bunch of checks in your hand trying to figure out where you're going to go. But then so then you find out your credit cards are canceled, right? And then you turn around, and then your mortgages, because there's bad boy clauses that are in there. And then you have to start selling all your assets. And then, of course, you sell your assets. But then what happens if you have profit, which hopefully you do, yeah. and I did, now Uncle Sam takes that money too. 
because you have a, in New York, it's a 15% tax bracket. So after now they force you to sell it, you end up paying Uncle Sam that money. So they fuck you every which way but loose. And it's insane. You sound insane. a little bit like an Oath Keeper right now. That's all I'm saying. You're a little bit with the Uncle Sam. It's, Don't dig a spider hole. You know, it's really, it's, it's terrible. And then it's, it's not just that. It's every single one down the road, you know, and they, they ruin your life. Yeah. And they enjoy it. They're like, ha, 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 watch the blood. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you do something, you're doing an artistic expression. It's like, did anybody stop Trump when he was making fun of the handicapped journalist? Of course no, not. Right? But, he, but what happens to him? Nothing. But the reason Nothing. I even took that photo was all the years of people on Facebook with the picture of Obama... You know, with a with a noose and yeah. Michelle, like all those. But isn't that allowed because he's black? Yes, right? it was because allowed. white privilege has to rule. So I thought maybe it was our turn. Right. I was ahead of my time. Ahead <laughs> of my time. How'd that work out for you? I'm not too well. I'm still right. working back. Yeah, I have a torso. I have a torso. All right. So listen, last question. We're yes. gonna give this one a bonus question. For you. Okay. As host of the D-list yes. and countless hosting gigs, yes. including New Year's Eve countdown. You've basically met everyone who's anyone. I have. Have there been celebrities that have stuck by you and been real friends, like the way Rosie really was to me? It breaks my my heart. I mean, if I tell you the story, I'll have tears rolling. She's that sweet. Yeah. You know, when you needed them. Yeah. Especially at the worst time in your life. Or any others that you'd like to call out for just being plain (laughs) assholes. I mean, look, my my agents all dropped me. Harry stood by me. Jason called every day. He would just have just a lot of heavy breathing, but I knew it was him, and I knew he cared, and that's why we connect. Um, no, it's uh, you know, it was it was very hard. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. The Anderson Cooper thing was just hard because I just loved him. I just adored it. I mean, I, in a way, I still do. But you know, like that was I thought that was real. You know, and like the Andy Cohen thing was tough because he was my boss for so many years, and I feel like he kind of like took my gig, which was weird. Like, there's a lot of like psychological stuff where you have to try to compartmentalize. But you know, I will tell you that like. It's some sort of amazing things happen. Like, you know Aubrey Plaza, the actress in comic? She brought a casserole over, like, two nights later, which was so sweet because I was, like, hunkered down in my house. And, and hungry. And hungry. And, like, believe it or not, you're going to laugh. The night of the photo, I actually had dinner. Three girls were coming over to my house for dinner. I swear to God. And it was Melanie Griffith, Rita Wilson, Tom Hanks' wife, and Chris Jenner. So they show up at my house. It's that day. I'm in my PJs, no makeup. I'm sobbing. They're like, did something happen with you? You know, and so and my husband's like bringing him food. Like, here you go. Dinner's still on. Don't leave, ladies. Don't leave. So then, you know, I'm, I'm talking to Rita because Tom Hanks has been brought into the QAnon thing and it's been a big a security issue for them. So she's explaining this to Chris Jenner, who doesn't care. And so and one thing I remember there was... One thing that I remember was so funny was Chris kept trying to get up on like what I had done. And she was like, well, people do photo shoots all the time. That's all we do. And I was like, it's not, it's different. There's no, it's different. Anyway, so, so then, um, then uh, Rita Wilson was like, oh, Rachel Maddow talked about it. And Chris is like, who's that? And then I remember 
Rita Wilson taking out her phone, and Melanie Griffith is like, I'll airdrop it to you. And they had like Rachel Maddow's like schedule, and Chris was like, put your lipstick, I'll look into it. And then Melanie Griffith was no help because she goes, tomorrow you should do Mike Pence's head. I'm like, no, that's horrible, horrible advice. But Chris Jenner was so funny. She goes, did you apologize? And I go, yeah, I made this like tape and I was crying and it's a fucking mess. And she goes, just apologize again with better makeup. People forget it. And I was like, well, it didn't quite work out that way. But then she goes, we apologize all the time. Just apologize. And so I was like, well, I don't have to apologize. Like, this is like the first time I've really had to like apologize. But they're just used to that for their various businesses and lawsuits. And so, but it was funny because in the midst of all that, honestly, those girls, like, were, we were laughing and stuff. And I remember that Christmas, I really, like, had nowhere to go. Like, everybody kind of ditched me. And the fucking Kardashians call, and they're like, do you want to come over Christmas Eve? I know. So, look, I know you guys get mad that I like them. And, but here's what I call them. They're kind of a victimless crime. You know what I mean? Like, they're, like, they're dumb, and they're materialistic, and they're transactional. But they, like, do it amongst them. So, you know what I mean? They shop too much. <laughs> They don't, like, hurt anybody, you know what I mean? And they have a hell of a Christmas Eve. I mean, they all, Leo DiCaprio shows up, they all, they have to, because they're all scared of the mom. They're all scared of Chris. All right, so that was a little long answer to probably not that question. Sorry. I'm working on material with you. All right, let's take some questions for Kathy from the audience. So. Well, how about for the panel? Maybe there's a panel. Well, that's, that's, that's next. You got, you're skipping ahead. I'm sorry. I Fast thought it was midnight. Kathy, you are the panel. Uh, <laughs> anyway? Kathy first, then the panel. All right. Harry, I wanted to acknowledge your cynicism about our political sphere, and I don't think that it's misplaced. And Kathy, I wanted to give you accolades for your outspokenness. Oh, thanks. But I just do wonder, I do wonder... We've got a week to go. What happens if it goes bad? What do we do besides get out the vote? What do we do besides fundraise? We've got doom and gloom in our future. What do we do? I mean, I don't expect you either to have the answer, but seriously, I think that's the existential question. And Michael, you as well. What do we do? You know, I spent last week in Washington, D.C., where they, they sort of specialize in these uh, triple bank shots. But um, the, there's at least a fair bit of something that gave me a little, a little lift, because I do think the, the house is going south. Will you stop? You've said that 17 fucking times. <laughs> I just wanted to acknowledge, because she acknowledged me. Um, there's a real strong possibility they just go too far. They're nuts, and they're, and they're totally getting whipped into a frenzy by their own um, folks. And so there's a, a um, crazy chain of events where, you know what, it's all good for 2024. Because that uh, is, uh, you know, this is, every election's been the most important of our lifetime. This one really is, but 2024 really, really is. So now, how do you how do you work for you know? So you can't make them self destruct any more than they can make themselves. Fortunately, they might, 
And then, you know, it's what Michael and everyone has said. It's it's really like they have gotten ahead of the game, have the Republicans in the the um, races at the at the lowest level in states and secretaries of state. There's got to be there's a lot of good candidates out there. there. There's that level fighting back and then just everything that comes with the 2024 um, election. You know, Democratic messaging sucks. There's no other way to describe it. It sucks. You know, continuously, if you listen on the podcast, you know, I, I'm hoping Jamie Harrison, who's running the DNC, is listening. And I'm hoping he'll take some hints from what I'm saying. The only way to beat a bully in the playground, he's got to punch him in the face. I mean, it's the only way to do it. Instead, what happens? And you have to stick together. They're not so good well, at Dems at yep, that. Right. Not at all. And what they do is... We're trying to allow the Republicans to implode based upon their stupidity and based upon the crazy that's coming from the right side. That's actually only empowers them, emboldens them even more. And that's the problem. In order for us to win, we need to get the right messaging. We can't always be the party of nice, right? You got to turn around and you just got to do to them what they did. And I tried to, I did that to Donald, right? When I looked into the camera and he was with Kim Jong-un in Vietnam. And I said to him, it's interesting that you're there in Vietnam, the place that you had your father use a fake chiropractor in order to claim that you had bone spurs in a foot that you didn't even know that you had a bone spur in and that you claimed you had surgery, but you don't remember which foot. I said, makes no sense to me. So, you know, when Trump does something which is so deplorable, and it is deplorable, we need to call it out, but we need to behave in a manner that's not nice. We just can't be nice anymore. Our democracy is in peril. And if we end up losing our democracy, it's on us. Hey. Anyone? Hi, I'm Dash. Uh, great job tonight, guys. Hey, Dash. Hey, Dash. Hey, Dash. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey, Dash. Hey. Oh, hi. Uh, no I, relation to cash. No, no. Uh, I had a question for Harry, actually. Um, well, it seems like, like, if... Merrick Garland knows he's already failed. Like, already the damage has been done because he's waited nearly two years. And now it's like that, that there's armed citizens at ballot boxes. It's like, do we need to organize with, like, you know, like Jewish stars around and carry our AKs to challenge him there? Or, like, because I'm saying, like, if they're allowed to cheat and we have to play by the rules, but if there's no consequences for the people above, you should cheat. Because it's, it's, you're just better off. I mean, I'm just, I'm just asking, like, how, how do you still have faith in Merrick Garland when he's already proven that he's, he's already failed? And, and he's already run out of time. Is he really up to the moment, honestly? Yeah. He's too weak. We, we need a pit bull like Michael Cohen. We, he, <laughs> Roy Cohen. Again, sorry. I, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get over the Jewish stars and, uh, and AK-47s. But look... <laughs> Um, he, look, t take which, compare what the Department of Justice does in putting together any big case. Mar-a-Lago 
It, the, a search warrant on that was two months ago. Everybody, this actually happens every week on Nicole Wallace. She's, what's taking so long? What's taking so long? <laughs> Putting together a case against the former president of the United States that, that is, you know, that it has to be completely buttoned up is not the work of a Except couple weeks. Whoa, 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 whoa. when you have top secret documents sitting on a floor in empty file folders that puts our national security at risk, this is the time that the man steps up and you turn around, you don't need to do it in two months, you do it in two minutes. He, whoa, 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 he did do it in two minutes. That's one of the complications here. Normally when a search warrant like that, as happened on August 8th, is served, the next step really is U.S. versus Trump. They had to, it was excellent to get the damn documents, even though it was early in putting together a case. They are, whatever you think about January 6th, and there's, you know, complications there to say the least, they've moved at pretty lightning speed on Mar-a-Lago. Everybody's being put in the grand jury. They just this last week moved to make it in D.C., brought on a real pro whom they didn't have before. The wheels of justice generally grind slowly. And on your point, it's just not true that it's too late. So, you know, let's say he's indicted in the spring. You know, and let's say all everything, you know, he works it as long as he can. Even so, the timeline, the timeline does work. So I'm, I just don't see the charge. I understand the frustration and even, you know, they had a lot to do on the January 6th stuff before they went to the big guns. Maybe they could have done that differently. But I just don't see the charge against him for this Mar-a-Lago stuff. They are moving very aggressively and on two tracks at the same time. And they've got a big uh, grand jury practice going and they're putting together a really solid case. You You just don't do that overnight, especially without, which they don't really have yet, cooperating witnesses. They spent more than a year going back and forth with the Mandarin Mussolini in order to find these documents. More than one year. All That's right? not on Merrick Garland. Well, it's certainly not on me, all right? And, it, and it's definitely not on you. And at the, at the no, end no, no, of the day, yeah, it's they, more than a yeah, year in they, order to play with this guy. He dicked around for a year. That's the right. Arch- he dicked around right. the archives for a year. If it was anybody else other than Donald Trump, you would not have been... Forget about handcuffs. You would have been already indicted, and you've already been spending your first full year in prison. Right. It wouldn't have right. gone for you. End of, end Again, of, not on Merrick Garland, right? Well, no one is above they, the law, huh? and he shouldn't be either. Say it again. No one is above the law, and he shouldn't be either. Uh, uh, absolutely. Uh, that's right. All right, more questions from the audience. We're getting riled up here, so... <laughs> Harry does this to me, and I didn't even bring my I blood pressure I, medicine. I'm, look, I'm waiting for the steam. I thought we could get the steam. And, and just real quick, I want to I chime in on the, the arming up AK-47 line of thought. Like, that, that doesn't work out well in the end. I mean, if we're reacting more and more on each side... It just grows and grows, and that's not going to work out for any of us. No, We've got to resist that. We're just talking. We're just talking. We got another question from the audience. Hi, this is a question for Harry. Uh, my name is Laura Aylin, um, in the back. Oh, hi. Uh, hey, thank you very much for talking feds, but talking feds, by oh, the way, I love it. Oh, thank you. You always make me feel oh, smarter. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, question about, let's say a former president did actually 
uh, get convicted and was sentenced to prison, what would that actually look like? Because they would have um, a Secret Service detail, apparently. I mean, how... Yeah. how that just It's odd. No so. kidding. It's one of those leave it to beaver questions. Let's just say there was a president who... By the way, I'm talking feds. Someone we're gonna, we've got, like, we're going to be here with swag in the back and that kind of stuff. Our marketing producer, Kalena Tano's here. Um, it's a really... Seriously... It's a really important question. There is a lot of bloodlust in the country on the, you know, the, the, the normal people. And they're just, you think you cannot get more, you know, uh, pound of flesh after pound of flesh. But seriously, take, you know, let's, we have one precedent here in this country. I'm old enough to uh, have been there when Nixon was impeached. And there just couldn't have been, you know, there was a real sentiment for just drawing and drawing quarterman and running him in the streets. And I think the national consensus is he was disgraced and the pardon was probably the right thing, even though at the time people wanted to, to impeach for it, et cetera. So imagine the situation where, honestly, he comes forward on, in the Mar-a-Lago case, he's convicted. And by the way, even if he doesn't see jail time, because, I look, I know there's a lot of, of fantasy or... You, know, you want to see like the Silence with, of the Lambs where yeah. he's got the mask. Well, it's the, it's the, he's you want to like see what the what the hair really yeah. looks like yeah. after a night in jail. I understand, but 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 stop for a second and think about the whole country. If he's really convicted of a serious felony, and in some way he it is clear his his plague on this country is well is done except for his legatees. If you know DeSantis or other can do it. It's going to feel different. It's really going to feel different. And we might generally think, okay, you know, we're, it's never going to be perfect justice, but it might be rough justice and a general sort of social uh, judgment that this guy was, you know, the worst president ever and is, and is not, assault not on democracy. Enough. Not good enough. What, had, we, what right? we could okay, do. Okay, but so what will it feel like for the Michael Cohens of the world? Let me not tell you what we, we can do. We all have them if it's that situation. I seriously urge just to think about it for 15 seconds what it'll be like in that world it's a different world than we have now where he's been completely gotten away with everything so what we let me tell you what we can do yeah but in, does the secret service go to prison no, with him no so what Everyone we can do is oh, oh on your question put, it's all sorry constitutional um complete tabula no one knows but he could run there's it's he could run for president from jail he, he won't have a secret, sir. That, that, that's, that's easy enough. But it's all these imponderables, uh, including, you know, what, what he could promise, I'll never run again and lie and break the deal. You know, the guy just gets levels and levels of surreality, and that it would be part of it, too. What we can do is put him in home confinement and a very strict and an ugly one where he doesn't have access to do anything. It would basically be building a cell in one of his houses across the street from Mar-a-Lardo. He can sit there with no computer. If they get, no if he gets horrors. on the telephone. No more horrors. That's, that's right, over. no more hookers. Cheeseburgers. At the end, right, he can't do, he basically, he would have to you know, stay there. He could not have people coming and going at his own will. They would do something very, very strict for him. And that's the way you cannot put him in prison. And not because I don't want to see it, but more because my biggest fear is that he will sell what's in his head. Remember, for four years, he was given 
top secret classified information in debriefings. He will sell that for a can of tuna or a book of stamps. He is the clearest and most present danger to the future of this country. So we can certainly do that. Now, let's also not forget that Noriega also went to prison. He was in Florida. So we do have somewhat of a precedent. Let me stick with that. When Noriega went, he was this tough guy. And you could see him sort of shrink in front of you. He, He would be the subject of social disgrace and historical condemnation like no other president. That's a lot, especially we with 70% the of their crazy party still, you know, wanting to supposedly we take to the, the streets. We want the El Chapo where they take his head and they turn yeah. like this. Yeah. And they, remember when they walked El right. Chapo? I want to see the head turn. I do. I just Who doesn't? Do. Thank you. But, you know, think about that world seriously. All right, all right. Thank Here you. We go. Another question? So I have a question. If the Democrats lose Congress... What can the lame duck Congress do before the office changes? Increase the debt ceiling limit and confirm a shitload of judges. Amen. Just ram it right down their throats. Uh, Why are we so naive that we don't think that he's already uh, sold, given away, or, uh, you know... Uh, all these secrets, you know, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable that we just sit here like, oh, he just kept them and he's waiting to take them to the pawn shop when, uh, you know, when the shit blows over. I mean, come on, they, he could have given them to him when he was president. Well, let's not forget when he was in the White House and he had the Russian um, contingency there, he showed them top secret documents from Israel. So you're right, what's to stop? That's why on August 31, once the Mar-a-Lardo raid took place, the first thing that I said is we really need to, where's Waldo Donald, and find out every single place that the guy has been, who he spoke to, who he saw, because you're 100% correct. There is absolutely no way for us to know. And we're not supposed to not know. That's why the National Archives exists. We're supposed to know exactly where this information is. And he refuses to give it. And he's fighting it tooth and nail. If this was anybody else, they would be in prison. In fact, Reality Winner did five years for one document. This guy had hundreds and hundreds of documents. The government is not so naive. They think it, and, and that's part of the secret proceedings that have been going on right now in front of the chief judge of the district court involving him and the whole, the whole team uh, that was in Florida. And this is a big point, by the way. They are now up in D.C., and it may be a prelude for a, the Mar-a-Lago prosecution taking place in D.C. with a D.C. jury, which would be 20 times better. Back on this point, of it, you have to show it's probable that you convict. And with, and with a D.C. jury, you can show that. What do you think he was doing with the documents? Like, like why did he have them? Look, why did he have them? Yeah. I've, been, I've been crystal clear. He's using it as a get-out-of-jail-free card. He will extort the United States of America in order to save his own skin. All right? that's, that's plain and simple. That's what it's all about. That's who Donald Trump is. He doesn't care about America. He only cares about what's good for him. Merrick Garland will not let that happen. Merrick Garland needs to go. 
I, I think the, uh, the, you know, the lines of opinion are pretty clearly drawn now. <laughs> Do we have more questions, guys? We've got plenty of time here. Absolutely. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Lilia. I'm a retired teacher. And God I'd bless like, you. <laughs> I'd like to know why no one seems to be listening to Mary Trump, Dr. Mary Trump. She has a doctor. She says he's a malignant narcissist. Everything points to that. Hello, why isn't... Why isn't uh, anyone aware of it? Is it he's allowed to the minute to... someone says something, I'm really not sure. That, right. I'm I really didn't... not sure that there's anyone in the world that doesn't believe he's a malignant narcissist and a sociopath. So it's not like she's telling us something we already don't know. I mean, do we need to put up billboards here in L.A., right, on, on Wilshire that says Donald is a malignant narcissist? We all know that. We also know he's a sociopath. Like they seem to like that about him for some reason. They he, think it's, he's a strong man or whatever that's about. About. Jason, what about your crowd? Your old crowd. They used to like that, right? Like, did they think he was yeah. like a machismo guy, or what was that about? Well, I mean, it again, it ties back to people that are fairly disenfranchised with their life and what's going on with it, and these people tap into it. You know, it, 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 there's, it's just, I think it's something in our wiring um, that they're able to use this propaganda to kind of really capitalize on. Hi, you, you are four of the most different people. <laughs> how, how did you all connect? I don't even have a criminal record. How, how did you? Well, that's part of it. like I've been in jail, but You've I've never, never been, been arrested once. But I'm, I'm the only felon on the stage. Uh, how, how, did you, how did you all meet Michael, or what is the connection between everyone? Well, Rosie was certainly for Kathy. Yeah. And Harry, um, I've had him on my podcast on multitude of times and I've had Jason uh, as well right after um, he testified we reached out to him and his people and I wanted to give him a platform because I understand what he's going through I don't understand Harry at all and I don't understand why we even have him on the fucking podcast anymore but you know I, I, I don't understand it either you know <laughs> why don't you have me on talking feds I'll tell you that one um yeah. Sure, I, and and Kathy, Kathy, Kathy came mo- through. Kathy's famous for her dinner parties, one of which yeah, I Kathy was. I know came Harry to Rosie O'Donnell. My, he's been to the house for dinner. In fact, there was almost a fistfight because Lipman, who cannot control his temper, almost was throwing fists with uh, Lincoln Banlow of the uh, UCLA Conservative First Amendment. Alan Isaacman was there, and. Um, Ben, was that guy Roy That's what Black? I get for defending you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was fun. Lively conversation. Right, we got time for two more questions, so uh, get your hands yep. up. Uh, two quick ones. Uh, really, one for Harry. Um, do you think we can get anything out of Lindsey Graham in Georgia or not? And Jason, uh, with this miserable, dangerous DeSantis, will the Oath Keepers just fall in line behind him? Well, there's something interesting happening in Florida that I think we really need to pay attention to with that private security force because militias as they are now, they're, they're illegal. They've got to be sanctioned. And Mary McCord from Georgetown Law actually is one of the, the leading people talking about this. Um, I do speaking engagements where I, I go around with Georgetown Law and talk with like prosecutors and stuff. And DeSantis right now, he's, he's creating this private security force, at least before the hurricanes and stuff. But that's a scary notion because then it's no longer illegal. So it's just this, you know, they're, they're capitalizing on that, that threat of violence and, and legitimizing it to do whatever they want. And there's no real check and checks and balances beyond the governor. So that's something to me that, that's very scary. Actually, I'm, I'm writing a, uh, uh, 
speculative fiction piece that kind of takes us, if shit just keeps going the way it's going, what, what does the world look like in 15 years? Um, so so do the Oath Keepers these. like DeSantis, or is he like not disruptive enough, or are they just... Well, you know, it's, 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 these are kind of insidious relationships in that, you know, like, look at Stewart and Alex Jones. Like, they went for years where they just wouldn't talk to one another. They wouldn't, you know, it all started at this, uh, the Second Amendment rally at the Alamo. And they got into, like, this dick measuring contest and, and pissed off at each other. And, like, there was no mention, no mention of, on either, of either one for, like, two years, three years. And then once something comes around where, it's in, you know, everybody's best interest. They're buddy-buddy again, you know. It's just like, you know, Stuart's back on InfoWars, just like nothing ever happened. And this, this happens a lot in these communities. So, you know. Lindsey Graham, normal pattern for these Cretans is delay, delay, fight everything, then take the fifth. To me, it's a political calculation, but I don't think it's so easy for him to take the fifth as a sitting senator. So, he, you know, he, he might get a little do not recall-itis and prevaricate, but th- th- those calls, and there are witnesses on it if he lies, um, are, um, pr- are pretty incendiary. I think, he, I think he winds up answering and giving some, giving something up. He can't, he can't completely bob and weave his way out of it, I think. All right, you guys have been a great audience. One more question here for the panel. Make oh. it a good one. Okay. Uh- Kathy, you're brilliant. Thank you for, for everything you do. You're, you're hilarious. Well, thank you. That's yeah. a question? Yeah. That's a comment. I agree. No, my, my Can question you do a little is, dance? No, anything, yes. My question is for Jason, actually. I was wondering what specifically... Uh, you did. <laughs> what, what specifically were the Oath Keepers trying to accomplish on January 6th? Like, what, what were they hoping to achieve by storming the Capitol? And... Also, where were you on that day? What were you doing? So, so I was in my living room. So I, I've been away from the Oath Keepers for well over five years. Um, the only reason they then brought me in uh, on January 6th is because I was able to give kind of a historic perspective um, of the radicalization process kind of going from Bundy Ranch through to January 6th. But I've been out of the game for, you know, over five years. Um, so I was on. I, w- I was sitting and watching it in my living room. Um, Did you know anyone? Uh, no. So so again, you have you have, and they greatly expand kind of the membership roles and stuff. But what you tend to have is people will come out, they'll check it out and and see what's going on, and a lot of them will move away from it. You know, you see this with the board of directors too, where you know people come in on a honeymoon period, and then they'll they'll see that kind of what Stewart's actions are as opposed to what his messaging is are two different things at, a lot of times. And he kind of just does his own thing. I think it's largely ego-driven. I think he saw it as a way to become this kind of this character of this, this uh, clandestine paramilitary leader. Um, and, you know, at first he wasn't even going to vote for Trump. He wasn't going to vote at all. Like, it, it, I was still in contract with him on the election day. I was like, look, man, you got to go fucking vote. Like, you're supposed to be the leader of this patriot organization. Um, and, uh, but I think what he saw with Trump was opportunity to, to kind of have a sense of legitimacy and, and, you know, saw a, a road forward that would allow him to kind of become authentic in that, that kind of fantasy he had of being this paramilitary leader. But it just didn't work. Thankfully, it didn't work out. This time. 
<laughs> well, he is going to jail for the rest of his life, I think. Hey, That's have right. they arrested Jay Johnston yet? You guys, did you know there's a fucking J6er in LA? Yes. Jay Johnston from like Mr. Show and Bob's Burgers, he turned into a MAGA. I know, I've known him for years. I haven't seen him for a while, but so he showed up and he was on the, he's still on the most wanted list. But I heard my friend Ken saw him at Target, but he got scared and just filmed him and then ran. And we'll take one more question. <laughs> okay. All right, guys, thank you so much. Jason Van Tatenhove, Harry Lindman, Kathy Griffin. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mayor Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. Written by Jimmy Jelinek and Paula Killen. Our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustad, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, I promise you, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Maya Culpa, nothing but the truth. I did my time, that's found by